0: Welcome to Trump Plaza Hotel and Casino, welcome to Atlantic City, New Jersey, welcome to March 27th, 1988, in the Legacy Series. This is Wrestlemania 4. This is the event I have been waiting for and wondering about, and there's so much content, I don't know how we're going to get through it all. Real quick, I just want to say that... The thing that blew me away going into this event carried through, which is WWF at WrestleMania 3 felt so much like a vertical climb. It's Hulk Hogan. It's Andre. It's 93,000. It's everything that is larger than life that stands up tall and how easily it might have been to continue that out. How easily just to have Hogan Andre 2 at WrestleMania 4. You could book it the next night. You could have them disappear and not have a feud because they already have momentum. Then wait till January. One of them comes out and points at the WrestleMania banner and you got your little match. Or you could have done even worse than that. You could have had Hulk Hogan go into the tournament and he could beat Andre, beat Randy Savage. Average, beat Ted DiBiase, just to make sure there's nothing left after the event is over. Any of these things might have happened, but what we got was a kind of turn to the horizontal, to go wide and deep instead of tall. When I watch this event, number one, there is so much talent. There are so many good matches, but it's also a gamble. It is fitting that it's in Atlantic City because this is a gamble because the one thing I realize is Hulk Hogan and Andre are still the stars of the company. So to do what we did this night, to open it up, to allow the things that happened. This was an event. It was ongoing. It was majestic. It was everything I thought it would be and remembered it to be, but better. Ladies and gentlemen, I am ready to get into it. There is so much to cover Ladies and gentlemen, the hype is back. Grab your shovels because the unearthing continues. I am the mystic and I am joined by my friend and co host, by God, my learned colleague, Mr. Ms. Fan the Brain.
1: Greetings, Ms. Fan fans. Thank you very much for joining us for this show. Uh, we do have a lot to talk about with WrestleMania 4, but uh, before we do that, I do want to make uh, just one brief comment that is uh, a little more modern. Um, I'll just say it up here because I don't know if it's going to affect the way I do the show. Um, I've spent uh, a lot of the last week being kind of disgusted with pro wrestling. Uh, if anybody's not aware, a lot of um, accusations and allegations and um, stories have come out about certain wrestlers being sexual predators or worse and um, is very unfortunate i think uh, any wrestling fan probably knows that the business can be uh, a little seedy but i don't think most of us would have expected to hear as much as we have this past week um this is not the time or the place and i'm not the person to come out and try to parse uh, everything that is part of that situation uh, i will just say i strongly support everyone who does speak out and i hope uh, everything is taken seriously and looked into as far as it possibly can be and i hope wrestling comes out better for it uh and it's a good reminder um as much as wrestlers can be uh, great artists in their way uh can have loads of talent i think uh it is important not to put them on pedestals as people because uh, a lot of them are messed up and they have problems and uh that's all i'm going to say about that for now We are going to talk about WrestleMania 4, which is a huge event and it is one that we have been looking forward to for a long time. It is going to be a night that uh, surely, surely, and I cannot stress enough how hard it is for me to put my mind in the fan of this time on this particular night. I would think this must have been a shocking event to walk through in that time. Uh, It is a a show with quite a lot of reputation uh, a lot of people are against it. Some are very much for it. I think uh, I can see evidence on both sides. But ultimately, I did have a very good time, so I'm very excited to go through this show and just focus on some uh, some good things that I appreciate about wrestling for a little while. So that's all I have to say about that WrestleMania Four. We can get right into it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think I, I don't. I haven't looked at any of the reviews because I know. If I do, it's going to take me one way or the other. Mm. Do you know what the critiques of WrestleMania 4 would be?
1: I think the critiques are um, a lot of short matches, a lot of finishes that were not very satisfying, um, and the lack of something like uh, Steamboat um, Savage from the year before that you can really point to and say, oh, well, you know, that's the classic match. Um, I think uh, that's that's probably the main ones that I have seen. Um, some of that I agree with, some not as much, but I think it'll be interesting to kind of go through everything that we have here.
0: I think it's partly why I like this, because
1: hmm.
0: business-wise, it seems almost easier just to have a Hogan Andre and then have a traditional card that probably would give you whatever Savage is doing or someone else, give you your Savage Steamboat and give you your Hogan Andre. Mm-hmm. Like That seems almost like the more obvious choice, but I do like it how unconventional this is it puts so many people on the card it allows so many people to shine and you don't get that one match but you get a lot of little things that you might not get in a traditional card as well
1: i agree i agree there's a lot to appreciate about this card that uh, i think maybe overlooked by critics who are looking for one particular thing but uh hey that's your taste i hope you watch the show yourself out there so you can decide for yourself and uh i hope you also listen to us and uh hear what we have to say
0: yeah, I came in biased like wanting to like this but at the same time my mind gets changed a lot. So, I also kind of expected and maybe I would get bored because there are so many matches and they're so short or you know, they're this and that. But the one thing that made it work to me is that it's almost a tell of two WrestleMania is that until you have Hogan versus Andre, we are still in the WrestleMania 3. And that Captures the the first round of the tournament happens before Hogan and Andre. So, even though in the greater scheme of things, having a whole tournament makes the whole night more uh, grand. Like a first round is still a first round, and it's not always that sexy. So, I like that the first round kind of sits in the shadow of Hulk Hogan and Andre. But when it's time to really evolve to those final rounds we are completely busted out of the WrestleMania three frame because Hulk Hogan is gone, Andre the Giant is gone, and now mid-card, mid-pay-per-view, we officially move into what comes after this year-long standstill between these two. Yeah,
1: I mean, like I was saying in the intro, um, I I feel like I'm usually pretty good about putting myself in the mind of somebody in this period, but a show like this, it's really hard to um, kind of put back my thinking to that time because, uh, I don't know, like, I do feel like it would be so shocking. I feel like you couldn't have gone into this event thinking that either probably Hogan or maybe um, Andre with Ted DiBiase as like a distant third could be the champion yeah. at the end of it. So I will give that shout-out to my folks um, who uh, comment on the show, Brooklyn CB Mac on Twitter and uh, the forums, prof. Um, BK, uh, anybody else who lived through this time, who watched it firsthand, tell me, give me some idea. You know, this is on the level of... Um, I always try to imagine, just before Hulk Hogan joined the NWO, like, what did that feel like? That's another one I can't relive, because too much, too much narrative exists around it. Like, it's taken so as a matter of course now, and it's hard to recapture... Surprise from a distant point in the future, but yeah. Anyone who watched this show through at the time, uh, let me know what you thought about it and uh, if it shocked you or if you were like, "Oh yeah, okay, Randy Savage," I, I, I called <laughs> that. And if you did, how did you do it? So that's very impressive to me.
0: Yes, please do that because I also I started in '91, so I did not get this experience. And it's just rewatching it. Hogan and Andre are still so hot and savage is getting a slow climb. So he is not even, like, to me, obvious. There's no obvious point to this is the guy as far as what I watched from this. So, right. you know, that's astonishing because a few years from now, like I've said before, like, the only time I don't like Shawn Michaels, he's my favorite WWF wrestler, is when he got the push because it's so big and obnoxious, the push you get in WWF. Savage didn't get that. Savage is getting a slow, authentic, step-by-step climb up the ladder, and it's happening in the shadow of the largest wrestler in the world and Hulk Hogan, so hmm. you know, who knows? who knows? Maybe someone picked it. Yeah. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, That's that's what I want to know. Is there some way to know? Are we not seeing something like the clue that would have uh, tipped you off? Because yeah, it definitely even at, at Savage's first round it doesn't feel like, oh yeah, this is a guy who, he's, he's definitely going to be in the finals or like he's going to make it all the way through, he's a step above a lot of these guys. And I think one criticism you can kind of throw at the tournament is even though there's a lot of talented people, I think we mentioned before, it feels like a very short list of credible uh, threats to be world champion. Um, And that's just a sign of the time, I think, but uh, I think there's a little bit of validity to that criticism.
0: I accept that criticism uh, wholesale. And maybe that's the difference between, you know, if I was watching at the time, I might critique that because, you know, I would be going in willing to be surprised, willing to not know what's going to happen. But uh-huh. looking back, you know, you're not even looking for that when you already know the winner. But I absolutely would accept that that some of these guys are never going to win this tournament.
1: <laughs> right. They don't have a prayer. There's a few of them. I'm like, what are you even doing here? Like yeah. there are probably better options, but yeah, that's all right.
0: We'll get into it. Um, I think. Like You've been critiquing the Steamboat and Vince McMahon falling out and Vince's behavior. Yeah. I think if that had been different, it's hard for me to say because the tournament would have had more prestige if we had Steamboat versus Savage because it is that return match and that would stand so tall. Mm. Uh, and I think I would take that still, but at the same time, I have Greg Valentine as one of the MVPs of this night. Oh, absolutely.
1: So I wouldn't take anything away from Valentine either. All right, all right, we'll, we'll jump in. Yeah, slowly. let's get into it for sure. <laughs> it's uh, We're talking in vague uh, statements, so we'll, we'll get to the specifics <laughs> as we go through here.
0: We got Gene Ockelin kicking off the night. We got Gladys Knight performing. Um, I actually was out of state, so I watched this with my girlfriend who has watched a little bit of pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. She has listened to all our shows without knowing any faces except Hogan's and Andre's, so Aww. this was a chance to see everybody. And I could not talk because I was taking notes the whole time. She would have random statements of a you know, new fan, and I jotted some of them down, so I'll bring those. I uh, love those. I love it. <laughs> she said Mean Gene would look like an uncle type, and before the show was over, that's going to take on a double meaning uh, when he interviews uh, Vanna White later in the show. So. Oh, my God. Joker
1: a <laughs> uh, bit of a dirty uncle, no
0: doubt. Yeah, at, at first all. it was like, oh, he's lovely. He looks like, a, he looks like an uncle type, and then he was... Uh, when Vanilla White leaves the screen later, he, Gene Archuleta's character is going to be a little different. I think in her imagination, so yeah, uh, it's going to be
1: exposed a little bit for what it is. Yes. So
0: watch that, listen to WCW The Legacy series if you don't know that. <laughs> All right, so that one straight, we
1: unearthed already. So yes,
0: straight <laughs> to the trophy. This is another thing when people got paid. They got their WrestleMania day because you got a tournament and you got a Battle Royal. So we're kicking off right out of the gate. Jesse Ventura, Gorilla Monsoon. And Invitational Battle Royal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ventura is pumped up that he does not have to talk to McMahon tonight, yes. uh, which is nice. I noticed we do a lot of commentary talk. I'm going to do a little more because I enjoy it a lot. I feel like um the the disrespect that Ventura throws at Vince McMahon, he does not really throw ever at Gorilla Monsoon, or at least uh, not nearly as much, so... We've talked a lot about the relationships between these different wrestlers. It's probably the most uh, actual respect between Monsoon and Ventura here, at least as far as we see on screen.
0: Yeah. I think it's a combination of things. You know, it's the kind of respect not only that he gives Gorilla, but it's also the respect that he gets back, I think, from Gorilla that he doesn't get from Vince McMahon.
1: Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Vince McMahon, that wild-eyed fanatic to his cause. (laughs) He can't respect anyone on the other side, so...
0: They have a very grown up conversations throughout the night where they consider both sides. They tell the truth while also, you know, wrapping their own brand. So it's a different flavor. And again, this is the quality all star teams that every time you mix up this commentary booth is different. But I don't know that it ever falls off any any bit, no matter who's in there
1: yeah absolutely so the impressive thing especially is that monsoon and ventura i may have mentioned this before but they virtually never worked together they remembered a lot because they did uh, a lot of the pay-per-views but you know they would go months without ever interacting on screen and yet still they have this very good chemistry so you have to appreciate that
0: yeah it's a a great night and uh, i'm sure we'll be bringing out some of their commentary as it goes along uh we got celebrity bob
1: Bob, euchre euchre thank you i'm looking at his name and trying to remember oh man (laughs) is this you're into sports a bit do you know is this guy known to you is he famous and i
0: don't know him he would have been before my time i think but at the same time I wonder how good he was. I should have looked him up because it just, there's a lot of jokes at his expense, you know, yeah, throughout if,
1: I, if he was known more as a personality than a top athlete, I wouldn't be shocked because that's what he does very well on this show. He's definitely one of the most into it celebrities they ever had. I'm not surprised they brought him back a second time because he actually adds to the show, unlike uh, some of these people they trot out here.
0: Okay, so facetiously dubbed mr baseball by tv talk show host johnny carson i don't, so I don't know there's a lot to dig into so it's i'm sure like jokes listen.
1: baseball player that scans that works <laughs> is what we saw so the,
0: the celebrity one thing i pointed out the celebrities here are happy and enjoying themselves and that is something that i appreciate uh, if you're going to go this route
1: yeah it, it is for sure um and i would put Euchre at the top of that list yeah he, he definitely was here to uh contribute and have a good time and you have to appreciate that
0: absolutely all right so we got the, i think 20, 20 man battle royal starting off the show
1: yep yep i believe so um highlights for me in here we have uh, harley ray still in here so i was wrong i think maybe there's another hogan race match because i swear they'll come out and they will blame Hogan when Harley race has to have surgery. Um, so maybe that is still coming, but I was very pleased to see that he is still here. He's on this card. He was a standout to me in this battle Royal, uh, pretty much him and bad news Brown were my big favorites in this one.
0: Bad News Brown stood out a whole lot to me. Because I, mm-hmm. I haven't watched him in a long, long time. And even when he betrays Bret Hart, we're getting towards the end of it. The kick that he does is just, like, you can do a lot of things. And for him to do that kick, it was just like, man, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love Bad News Brown. I love that he's basically just Steve Austin, like, right down to the gear and to the, the bald head and the facial hair. Um, and the attitude is, like, spot on. So mm. um, he's Steve Austin in a time that did not uh, want to have Steve Austin, so he will only go so far, but he will do a very good job in the meantime, and I'm really glad to see him.
0: Yeah. You also get race eliminated by JYD, which is a callback to, you know, earlier feud.
1: Yes, yes, they had their their interactions in this from a year ago, so appreciate a bit of continuity there. Uh, One thing I also liked is that um, when I was taking my notes, and it was kind of going down to the last people. I noticed we were at the final four and then one just guy got, got threw out and I'm like, Hey, how nice that when we got to the last four people, they didn't all just like go to their own corners and mm. stare at each other for a while. Because <laughs> I hate that. Oh. It's
0: coming this man. It's uh, coming.
1: I know. I know. <laughs> I'll just say there's like one time in a hundred that you can do it right. But the other 99 times, meaningful looks in wrestling, just annoy the crap out of me now because they've been mm-hmm. done so much. Just like, just fight each other. Like, you don't have to look around and be so dramatic and be so like high school theater program, like trying to convey something. <laughs> just just do it for God's sake. Okay, all right. That's my small rant that I will now put aside.
0: Not and... enjoying this two weeks I rub a good Miss Fan rants and critiques. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's necessary it is what is it high school theater
1: (laughs) that is what i called it yes that's not even kind to high school theater because i've seen (laughs) i've seen some high school productions that didn't do didn't fall for some of these tricks so come on guys all right all right i'm done
0: it makes sense we've said several times that we have the advantage right now of living in an era where nothing is consistent enough and kind of tread through enough that it can have these obvious tropes that are coming so you know they're still trying to figure it out right now
1: they are, yeah, and all tropes exist for a reason. like they all yes. work at their particular time and place. Um, but sometimes uh, they get relied on far too heavily. So yes, one thing I really appreciate about this. We've talked about this a lot is that generally, even though you have some like silly characters in here, everyone still treats it very seriously, like when they are in the ring, when they're fighting. And I'm not even against, like, you can have something silly in a match if you do it well. Like, I will enjoy that from time to time. But by and large, yeah, I do prefer, if you're wrestling, like, just get down to it. You just don't have to, like, treat it like some big thespian opportunity. Because that's just (laughs) not what wrestling is to me 99% of the time. So, all right.
0: Most of the time when I see that, in my opinion, it is making up for the kind of heat and story that isn't there. You know, because what it is, I'm trying to convey to you with my eyes and with standing still that this matters. But if you build it in right and you got characters that can get it done and story that can get it done, Mm -hmm. I already know this matters. You don't have to, like, the gesturing isn't necessary. Right,
1: yeah, yeah. That's what it is a lot of the times. It's like these big gestures and it's like you might as well just turn to the audience and say, here's what we're doing. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you understand it? Are we making it clear enough for you? It's like, you just have to rely that you've told the story well enough that you don't have to do these things. So, I don't know. Shawn Michaels uh, gets gets blamed for this trope at times, and I don't know if that's fair or not, so I really want to look closely at him. Uh, we're going to look closely at him for, like, a million reasons, so that'll just have to be one of them.
0: I think about Triple H when this so it's interesting. I mean, interesting. that's probably
1: where my... Yeah, I go there, too, but I don't know if it's just because... They both do it and Triple H is not as good at it, you know, like every other thing. Um,
0: well Triple H ends up commentating his matches during some era, so like <laughs> he's right. you know, yelling to things like this is what you're supposed to feel. <laughs> well we're know. gonna see a lot of him too,
1: so we'll keep an extra harsh eye on him. <laughs> and harsh just kind of slipped out there because we know where it's going but we'll, we'll yeah. try to be fair
0: <laughs> and we'll see him during his best time and not during his worst i think so true
1: yeah that's very true so i don't know i have to i have to take a close look there's a lot of narratives around triple h as well and uh i won't say they're right or wrong i just want to look very closely at him.
0: <laughs> so one thing i saw from watching with someone who hasn't watched that much is just God, it would be nice to be a new wrestling fan again because the stuff that works in new. Yeah. Like I'm sitting there taking notes, and she starts laughing. and I look up, and she's like, "That B keeps coming back in the ring." And I look, and like, <laughs> you know, just being astonished that yeah, he's thrown over the top rope, but he doesn't fall on the floor. He falls on the apron, and it rolls back in, you know. And just reacting to that, it's like, oh my god, I want that.
1: Yeah, there's nothing like um. Oh, I can't even articulate. I feel that so strongly. Like <laughs> that yeah. hits me very deeply. There's, uh, as much as I enjoy wrestling, and I really consistently do, obviously, I hope or I would not do all this stuff that I do, but there really is nothing like, you know, 2003 watching SmackDown, I know shit from shit, and I just loved everything, and yeah, uh, you, you can't really get that back, I think, which is too bad, but you can enjoy it in other ways, thankfully, and sometimes you watch with someone was delighted by a bee going back in the ring and it's just wonderful yeah. i i'm already loving this experience of uh mrs mystic giving us a yeah. commentary here
0: and she already knows the killer bees as well as we do so <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh those killer bees all
0: right yeah oh, uh so i was yeah to me race is always a standout so i was not shocked by that Agreed. um this is another one and Bret hart is going to get a lot of praise from me whether people would expect that or not eventually but every time I see him during these times, it's like, the person you're with is just a lot better than you. And like, it's clear to me. Cause in my mind, Bret Hart wins this battle royal. I don't know why I thought that. And I was like, God, Bad News Brown should have won this. This is, this is, like, he's, he's just popping more for me. And then, when he wins it, I'm like, hey, this is a really good decision. And the guy, the other guy should not have won, so. <laughs> There's my my take on that
1: one. It was definitely the right thing. I didn't really see a lot of sign in this that Bret Hart was ready for a singles Mm -mm. career.
0: He Uh, won't be, either.
1: No, I don't think he will be. Um, So, yeah, if this is meant to be his face turn, it is not effective because it is just like Bret and Brown working together. They throw JYD out and they just like celebrate together like they both won. And then Brown just beats the shit out of Bret Hart and throws him out of the ring. And it's, like, very simple and matter-of-fact, which I also appreciated. They did not feel the need to uh, milk this for drama. Save your drama for the matches that need it. And, uh, yes, after the match, Bret comes in, and he sucker-punches Brown, and he throws a fit. He breaks the trophy. And I'm like, man, like, Bad News Brown is the face, I think, in this feud, (laughs) because he won everything fairly. And then somebody, like, threw a fit after, and it wasn't him. So, there you go.
0: Yeah. The only way you knew Brett Hart was turning face is because, you know, he attacks him after the match and breaks the trophy. <laughs>
1: uh. That's true. I'm sorry. I forgot. Throwing a fit, a tantrum, is actually yes. baby face behavior. So, yeah.
0: And, again, new fan, the, 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 the Mrs. Mystic response is, look at the jealousy is all that she said while he was doing that. <laughs> and I think, like, yes, like, that is all that – and yet the fans are cheering while he breaks the trophy. Like, come on.
1: They're cheering be some. It's not even like a big reaction that would make you You're right. Like
0: <laughs> I <laughs> like, question that. Yeah. <laughs> in, in the theory of what's supposed to be happening, I think they're supposed to be cheering.
1: Uh, yes, I, I would agree. I don't know. They're going to have to sell me more in this Bret Hart babyface run because uh, – what I saw from it the first time doesn't stand out much in my mind, and I think that is going to hold up as well here. But Bad News Brown, he stands out by a mile. Like,
2: yeah.
1: I love this guy. I don't know if we'll get to see it, but one of my favorite bits from, like, weekly TV is uh, when he comes out to fight a jobber. He never waits for, like, the ring introductions. Like, he'll just walk in the ring, be lied to the guy, and punch him in the face. And, like, everyone has to run Oof. so the match can start. And <laughs> there's just this violence which just starts, and he just has no time for any of this. He doesn't give a shit. Bad News Brown is great. He is literally everything Steve Austin will be in 1997. And he is not in a world that will appreciate him enough yeah. for that fact. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he, there's so much he could do. I like, think about a Bad News Brown Randy Savage feud during this era oh and what it could God. be.
1: So good, yeah. Bad News Brown, he could feud with anyone in this era. I would, if Ricky Steamboat were not on his way out the door, yeah. I would love to see that feud. Um, man, there's hardly anyone I wouldn't like to see him wrestle. So that's there you go. Bad News Brown is the man.
0: Bad News Brown and Hercules.
1: Oh, yes, our man Hercules. Are you kidding me? That would be great. Oh, I would love that. Oh, boy. Yeah, I
0: know we got Bad News Brown and Piper. Other than that, I don't know what we have from Bad News Brown. Uh,
1: We got Bad News Brown and Jake at one point. That'll be interesting. Um, Yeah, I don't know what else he gets to do. He leaves kind of uh, abruptly, I think, because yeah. uh, he wasn't being treated that well, uh, which is not uncommon yep. for this time, as we will find out. But, yeah, we will uh, we'll cover that as we go.
0: Winning the Battle royal to kick off WrestleMania 4, you would think you would have somewhere you'd be going at that point. But...
1: You'd think so. Well, I will say, I don't know, I, I can't recall all the details of him, and a lot of guys uh are just not like title oriented in this time like they may get the occasional right. shot but they are stars without the need to be like wf champion or intercontinental champion they are just stars because of who they are and i think bad news brown uh is and should have been even more in that category because uh, he is just great and he doesn't really need any bells and whistles to be great
0: yeah so we, we got celebrities. Bob Uchers is looking for Vanna White. Jesse Ventura, they have an ongoing moving plot that runs through the show. Um, Robin yeah, Lee.
1: People were nuts, I guess, about Vanna White in yeah. this time. Because, yeah, like, so many conversations are about her. Everyone's lusting after her. And I swear <laughs> to God, she gets one of the bigger pops later she on. And she finally comes out. So, like, it's legitimate. I'm just like, okay. They're even intro- She's yeah. like, the most famous letter turner. And i'm like what a thing to be famous for in your career all right weird i don't really get it but cool
0: she was outside my time too but i remember like those kind of references to her even when yeah. i was young And it's, it's, it's always weird like hearing things about people that's kind of everybody knows about but you don't and you're kind of standing outside looking at it you know it's always a little bit different
1: i never even watched like any game shows so it's yeah like, it's yeah. very much out of my my mental arena i guess
0: but they do a good job with it, I think, for sure, what yeah. it is. And then, but like Robin Leach, it, this right here should be absurd. Robin Leach of the, Lifetimes of the, uh, the Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous uh, comes out to read the scroll with, like, whereas the World Wrestling Federation. And it has a Wizard of Oz vibe to me, but, like, sure. I
2: Kevin it works so
0: well it. in yeah. that this is what WWF imagines itself to be. And for some reason, I like it and I'm okay with it.
1: I I thought that was a little weird, but I'll give him I'll, I'll let it all allow yeah. it you know I won't uh, worry too much about it
0: yeah fair especially when you got uh, Robin Lee followed by hacksaw Jim Duggan but you know such his <laughs> life. All right so this is hacksaw Jim Duggan and Ted DiBiase to kick off uh, the WrestleMania tournament and you know shout out to our prof you know for mentioning that a lot of these guys are at least two of these matches they're coming from the same territories and kind of the same places. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I have not seen it myself, but I know uh, Ted DiBiase and Jim Duggan have a very famous and actually very acclaimed feud from Mid-South. So uh, I can't imagine without having seen it what exactly that looks like. But uh, one day I will check it out and maybe I will finally be convinced that Duggan had a period where I could stand him. Um, I'll say this. I'll... um, Oh, man, it's hard for me to even do. I'll give Duggan a little bit of credit in this match because it was the Duggan that I least dislike for the most part, where he basically <laughs> stops doing shtick, he stops playing to the crowd with every single breath in his body, and he actually just, like, fights another guy. And he, he he actually did that some here, and it helps that Ted DiBiase is, like, an ideal guy to bump around for him when he does that. But, yeah, this is by no means... Uh, a very good match I would say it is still not really that good a match but it is better than I expected so I will give a little bit of credit there
0: I think all of that is true and it comes from the fact number one this is about Ted DiBiase and not Hacksaw Jim Duggan right. this is about a match and not a feud uh so there's no like rage and there's no two by four it's wrestling <laughs> centered uh and then I also have to shout out the fact that Andre the Giant mm. being in the corner of Ted DiBiase. This close to not-yet-wrestling Hulk Hogan in this massive return match says everything about who Andre the Giant has been from the, for the entirety of this program.
1: Yes, the iconic image of uh, Andre leaning casually against the ropes. Hey, man, he is just... Yes. Uh, he he doesn't uh, sweat Hogan at all. He's just like, you know, I have to wrestle Hogan in 45 minutes, biggest match like in the world. Yeah, yeah I don't care. I'm just going to come out to ringside and do my thing, you know. I don't, I don't Not care. even
0: thinking about it.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: And I I had a brief moment. I don't think it could have worked cuz there's just too many moving parts, but I had a brief dream during this matchup that this whole tournament is about Andre the Giant winning it and slowly turning baby babyface by the end of the night, beating Teddy Biasi at the end.
1: Man, that dude, people would have loved. The people would have eaten <laughs> it up. I think, honestly, I think people were always ready to love Andre. Because yeah. In um, a year or two, I can't remember exactly. Maybe even is it five, WrestleMania five or six? I can't remember when Andre finally turns face. People will pop like through the roof for it. Like they will go nuts for it. Uh, and it helps that he's, like, smacking Bobby Heenan, of course, so that always gives you, like, a mega pop. But so I think people are ready to go back to Andre at the drop of a hat. So yeah, they could have thought about it, you know. Probably he, wouldn't have been a good idea with Andre being the shape he was in, but still, they could yeah. have done it if they wanted to.
0: Yeah, he, he it just deserves to be said because, man, he's been a hero of this. And it doesn't stop. Like, to me, you might disagree. There's a very good chance we'll, we'll have different uh, takes on the Hogan promo and the uh, Hogan-Andre matchup, but... To me, they were still at top, top form, and I would have thought in my mind that we're almost moving past them because people are tired of Hogan and Andre, you know, can't wrestle anymore, and I did not see that to be the case on the show.
1: Interesting. I think we do have a little bit of a different opinion, but we'll okay. talk about it when we get there.
0: Indeed. A couple things so, in this match. Uh, um,
1: Here at Jesse Ventura, Being My Hero, asking, don't you think it would be a disgrace if Duggan won the title? And I'm like, thank you for speaking the truth out here when no one else is brave enough to.
0: I don't think I heard that one, but, man, that's a a, no truer words.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, The only other thing, this might derail us too much, so we can shelve this conversation if you like, but I remember a year or two ago, um, somewhere, somebody posed a question, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Wrestlemania 3 We'll take our minds back there for a second Let's say Hogan Picks up Andre to slam him And tears his back In the process and he is injured And he cannot uh, remain champion He cannot keep going Who then, I wonder Would the WWF have gone with And I only asked that here Because I remember somebody pitched That it could have been Duggan Which terrified me Um <laughs> but still like it's interesting to think about who would be in that conversation and if you go by crowd reaction like jim duggan possibly could be in that conversation um so i don't know that would have been an unthinkable thing to happen but i'm just going to throw it out there because i think it's an interesting hypothetical
0: are we talking about hulk hogan being gone forever like what are we talking about in this scenario let's
1: say he's gone for a year what do you do in that case (laughs)
0: andre giant uh, maybe be the world champion and dominate the promotion because or I, like i go steal somebody else from another promotion that might be the thing i do but i do not uh i do not pretend like mid-card at best talent are world champions in hacksaw jim duggan i don't know what would you do
1: uh i really don't know I, it's a tough situation to be in like at that point Randy Savage is still a heel, but you probably know you've got something there, so do you try to go earlier with him? Do you try to put it on Andre, even though, like, I don't think he even wrestled uh, after WrestleMania three for, like, a very long time because he was not in the best shape? Um, do you temporarily put it on a lower guy who is uh, very popular? Do you go out and get somebody? I've heard uh, um, one of the Von Eriks talked about as a possibility Um I, I don't know. You know, I, there's no easy answer to replace Hulk Hogan in this era. So I'll throw it out to our uh, listeners as well. Looking at that time and place, who do you think possibly could have even tried to step into those shoes? So I don't know. It's It was very interesting, I thought, to uh, think about those possibilities. though.
0: Yeah. This is the pretend difficulty that WCW had when Sting <laughs> got injured in 1990. So <laughs> that would actually be a real concern. You got it. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I, I think you could go a lot of different ways. I I would like to hear what people say. We can carry that conversation on beyond the uh, show.
1: Absolutely. Uh, to uh, finally get past this match, Andre does cheat to help Dibiase get the win. Surely everyone must have seen that coming. So we have Ted Dibiase is the first person to progress in this tournament.
0: Yeah, Andre has the fastest uh, uh, leg trip in the business.
1: <laughs> he does. He's <laughs> like lightning. There at the ropes. So.
0: Yes. So Andre helping DiBiase, uh, and the plan is in order. Everything is going right uh, for for this group to start off. Gene Okerland is in the back with Brutus the Barber Beefcake. That creep. Oh,
1: man. <laughs> He's here to be oh. creepy. Um, Okerland asked him where he got his clothes, and like he can't answer. He's like evasive about it because I think it it was not and he's a bad promo i don't know yeah. he's like doing a bad imitation of um other people in this era where he i can't i can't talk about freaking
0: yeah. my, anymore my <laughs> only note is he, is he supposed to be drugged out or simply stupid
1: <laughs> why well, not i don't he, know the answer but why not he
0: can't only? communicate
1: uh, he communicates too much with that look on his face when he's clipping his oh, yeah. clippers. He communicates more than I ever wanted to know about what's going on. So
0: The saga continues. Uh, what a creep. Dino Bravo taking on Don Morocco. So this is an interesting pairing. It's very, somewhat similar in build here as we continue the first round of the tournament.
1: Yeah, I would like to award this match uh, least likely to succeed because the idea of either one of these guys getting anywhere near the final is just... Uh, it's impossible. Like, surely everyone knew at the time. Nobody. Uh, de, friggin' Dino Bravo, friggin' Moro- Don Morocco are not gonna go anywhere near the main event of WrestleMania. Let's be real here.
0: Jesse Ventura is talking about... Either he taught Billy Graham everything Billy Graham does, or Billy Graham taught him everything. Uh, Monsoon says, Billy Graham went on to be the WWF champion, so obviously he didn't teach you everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard. Uh, uh,
1: it is harsh. You know, <laughs> you, you got to appreciate that. Uh, I will say about this match that um, as a match, I actually thought it was very decent. It was a lot better than some of the other ones we saw on here. Um, I agree. Which you probably wouldn't think on paper, because I know in particular... Some folks really think Dino Bravo is, like, the worst wrestler uh, alive, and I don't think that's really fair. He's not great, but he's fine. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, they, they they do all right. Uh, I don't think we got enough Morocco in this series, and I don't really know why he's a babyface either. It never really seemed to suit him that well, but I guess they just need a stand-in for Billy Graham since his comeback was, like, two weeks long. So here yeah. we are.
0: I actually thought a lot of the good, the good in this match came from Dino Bravo. He dropped some yep. nice elbows, mm-hmm. gut wrench, pile driver. So he was just bringing it. So I mean, I I don't know. People have their opinions. It becomes narrative, but
1: <laughs> for sure, I was, maybe it's because uh, they're still talking about that bench press segment that yeah. won't end. Like it keeps coming up. It uh, the the ramifications go on for about as long as the bench press did itself. So basically yes. eternity
0: well said uh i do like that the narrative has changed now jesse says i only put two pounds of pressure on the bar so he still did 710
1: <laughs> god bless ventura for trying to find a way to uh yes. make that terrible segment interesting so good luck this what i was surprised because the way they talk about it it kind of sounds like it doesn't sound as bad as it was to actually watch it i hadn't watched it before i just heard them talking about it i'm like oh that's a nice little like heel thing. It probably took like five minutes, but no, it took me half an hour. So
0: (laughs) yeah, I think that was the beginning of the WBF, the trial run.
1: Oh man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah.
1: I just obliterates this referee uh, when Dino Bravo pulls him in the way, which uh, makes Ventura very excited because now anything can happen. He says, Um, (laughs) this is a weird, like some of these finishes, do bother me, because I feel like there's a better way to do this. So what you have here is Dino Bravo basically beats Don Morocco. Like, he gets a three-count, he hits his finisher. Like, visually, he's obviously the winner. And then, like, the referee crawls over and disqualifies him. So you get Don Morocco going on, but he looks, like, terrible.
2: Yeah.
1: And I don't know. Like, some of these endings could have been better. I think they went to the well of we don't want to have real finishes too much. Like, if there's ever a time to pay off and do some real finishes they could have done it a few more times in this tournament
0: i agree with that uh i think it's as a sign of the error as much as the night but the night just allows it to go on it's just just two heels maybe faces like no it seems like they never want anyone to kind of lose face it's always like Mm -hmm. an inch away no matter how they do it
1: yeah and honestly i think that's good in a lot of ways i think that's a reason why you look back at this era and everybody feels like they're bigger stars uh, just for being in the era because you don't see them lose hardly ever and if they do lose it's probably a big deal um which is not really the case you know in later eras but there's such a thing as too much also and i think we saw it some tonight
0: yeah bob Eucher is with the honky tonk man, oh, man. uh Honky man defending wrestling, saying this is a serious business here as he stands uh with himself as the Honky Talk Man. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who, whoever said the Intercontinental title was the workhorse title? That's a very yeah. inconsistent truth, Ugh. if I ever heard one.
0: <laughs> Honky talk man. This whole night it just kept dawning on me one time after another that No matter what else is happening, we are on the track to see Honky Tonk Man versus British Beefcake before this show is over. I know it loomed over me like a dark cloud. (laughs) So that that not much to say at that one. A lot of people like fight the hills fighting with horse. The only one line I think I have written down comes from Bobby Heenan, so that's not a shock.
2: Nope. Nope. Nope.
0: Next up, shout out to Benjamin Button, because he called this the best matchup on the WrestleMania card, and it is definitely one of them. It is a great matchup uh, to continue the tournament. It's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat taking on Greg the Hammer Valentine.
1: And, yeah, I think I, I might well agree with that. There's only one other match that I really think is in conversation for the best actual match of the night, uh, but it could very easily be this. And you look on paper, and you're not really surprised by that um it's greg valentine and ricky Friggin' steamboat direct to you from the mid-atlantic territory direct from the land of great wrestlers having great matches Uh, they this was great they got more time than i thought they would too and i really appreciate that it's probably one of the longer matches on the card and i'm sure it's not even 10 minutes but even so uh i'm glad they got the time they got and i'm really glad that they just got to massacre each other here because they were hitting each other like they were trying to chop through meat at the butcher shop. And Mm. I really love them for that. I got to appreciate both these guys. Two big favorites here.
0: Yes, I got this as one of two of the best matches on the night and everything you said, there's a lot I want to break down, but this is just two people who have very different styles, but they have their own styles and they are confident in them and they are good in them. It is, like you said, Mid-Atlantic. It is a year before Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair have that uh, series of matches that we covered. Yeah. And it, it's just very special. So uh, Steamboat Valentine, Steamboat, of course, wants to get around the ring. This is a guy that can he can move side to side. He can duck down to pin you, come back up, and never even lose pace versus Greg Valentine, who wants to put you down and be still and just, like, hammer on you. So, Completely different objectives, and they both are after it the whole time.
1: This has got to be like a prototypical fire versus earth match. Mm, yes, this is like a volcano erupting on like a rocky plane, and you're like, is the plane gonna melt or is the lava gonna cool down? I don't know, but like so strongly in their elements, both of these guys.
0: <laughs> yes. So the the reason I brought down the baby, and we get a shot of the baby's <laughs> face towards the end, and I said. Uh, the face looks like Steamboat, and uh, my girlfriend said the eyes, and then I said the anger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That that's your kid, Steamboat. Oh yes. man, that baby—that <laughs> was quite a prop for him, for sure. Oh, oh
2: my gosh.
0: Uh, This is also uh, Jesse Ventura says of the baby, a couple months old and looks like a power lifter, cheeks bigger than Bundy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ventura always with the great lines. I like, like at the start of this, Ventura's like. I don't think Valentine should go hold for hold here. I think he should cheat, so... Yes. <laughs> this is very upfront. You have to appreciate Ventura, a lot.
0: I don't know what category the deep art from drag belongs in as the best things in the world, but there's a, there should be a category that it should be amongst the best of.
1: <laughs> oh, it is awesome. I love it. I, I can barely even decide which one of these two guys I like more, because uh, they are different, and yeah. they're both really just phenomenally great uh i definitely do think of valentine on steamboat's level in terms of just being an all-around great 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 performer um i also want to shout out uh somebody bk i think in the forums made this call and we hear it here gorilla monsoon with the uh narrative he gave very consistently that greg valentine can't even get warmed up in 15 minutes so Mm. um we get that here yep there it is for you
0: it's also, uh, if you just go by kind of lazy narrative, and even even saying that, oh, this is a WrestleMania that doesn't have any great matches, it's still, this is a WrestleMania that has Greg Valentine versus Ricky Steamboat in the World Title Tournament, and ends the World Title Tournament that includes Hulk Hogan and Andre with Randy Savage versus Ted DiBiase. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting who was on the show and, and some of the matches that we get.
1: There's clearly, yeah, some quality stuff here, and I hope that everyone would at least recognize that. Uh, although, on the other hand, I'm very torn, because I really like the tournament. I do wonder, if you have eight guys instead of 14, mm. does that make it any better? Do you maybe get a chance to have your cake and eat it, too? Is If you have Valentine and Steamboat... um and they get 15 more minutes, and they're treat or uh, they get like five more minutes, and they're, they're treated as more of a big deal instead of there's kind of a feeling in this match, like neither of these guys are going anywhere, you know. Um, so uh, there's a certain feeling to that. I don't know if they're fighting over the Intercontinental Champion instead. Does it make it different? Do they get more time? Uh, they're just. It's interesting to think about different things you could have done. As much as I do like the show, I do have to wonder about other possibilities that you could do.
0: Yeah. I think that's true. I don't know if the tournament makes a difference or not. I think Steamboat is on his way down, if not out. Yeah. And Greg Valentine, I don't know why Greg Valentine can't be more, but, you know, the shocker for me is because – yeah, go ahead.
1: I would just say he won't be. Yeah, so you're right about that too.
0: So I don't know if he would have got the shot because what what stands out, Steamboat seems still like a big deal in some regards because he is the guy who hit the match with Savage Mm -hmm. a year prior. Greg Valentine just never seems like a big deal. So I wonder also if it's only because Steamboat is on his way out that we're allowed to see Greg Valentine even look as good as he did.
1: Probably, yeah. I mean, we've seen very little emphasis on Ricky Steamboat. He had that very boring match with Rick Rude. And besides that, he's been doing almost nothing. Um So, yeah, you're right. It's a very good point. that It's not necessarily about the tournament. Um, Maybe that affected the time they were given. But mainly it's about, yeah, not really appreciating either of these talents to their full extent. So it's a very good point.
0: It blows my mind that Greg Valentine is in this uh, company. And Honky Tonk Man and Brewers Beefcake are dominating the IC title picture.
1: Right? Like... Like Valentine should have been champion and Honky Tonk Man should have been like his manager or something. Like, <laughs> it would have made more sense, for God's yeah. sake.
0: <laughs> no argument, no argument there. Yeah. One of my favorite things in wrestling is the crossbody roll through, which is what ends this matchup. Uh, yes,
1: indeed, uh, Valentine with the handful of tights. Um, I will say here, I the finish was fine. Um, it was a lot better than some of them but I was thinking the crowd was feeling actually very deflated here because you've had four matches, and three of them the heels won, and the only one the face won was, like, a very lame disqualification. Hmm. So I thought, like, they were really just waiting for somebody they liked to win here.
0: Yeah. Is it... It just feels like whatever happened, you know, with Steamboat and Vince McMahon just was never meant to happen because yeah. Steamboat would have been more popular. He would have been getting a bigger push and he would have been one of the bumps of, along the show, you know, and otherwise.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it wouldn't. I don't know if this like you have to think about what's right for the era. It's not just about like trying to have great matches. You want to tell us yeah. a story. But man, I, like if Steamboat had wrestled DiBiase in the semifinals like wow that would have been really cool you know that would have been that would have felt uh, a little more prestigious than some of the stuff we did get mm.
0: i think i like that better than steamboat savage too so yeah, i'm just gonna right. put I, had, I hadn't thought about that that's that's a mm, yeah
1: it would have yeah. been cool I, they really wanted to give ted dibiase the buy so i get that and it did add something to the final but there are also some really cool possibilities out there that were left on the table
0: yeah, I think it's good to make these points, but this, wait, I, I I wrote down the word theater like three or four times, because this is a, like, this is theater, this is a production, yeah. the Hogan-Andre DiBiase-Savage story, it is story first, and way down, Matt, and matches, you know, second.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I definitely appreciate that, because uh, I've seen too many shows where the emphasis is only on matches, and uh, those can get very tiresome. In certain contexts, so I appreciate a, a show that is story driven. But again, I just think maybe there's a better balance you can strike. Mm. So yeah, yeah.
0: It's, I think Savage is getting what will be the Bret Hart push as well, where, where we're going to have him in grueling matches that he barely wins, while his opponent, you know, doesn't have to wrestle type thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Which
0: Uncle Lynn with the Bulldogs and Coco Beware, and Matilda is back. Um, weasel hunting. Uh, Coco Beware says, Matilda, I want you to eat his lunch. <laughs>
1: yeah, God bless Coco. Um, British yes. Bulldogs are not good pros. Yes. So another point against them. They were just like, I don't know. I want to believe they weren't on something, but man, they were just like giggling and being weird. And I don't know. The Bulldogs continue to uh, be very iffy, at least in my estimation.
0: It's so hard to know. Like, Bret Hart is the hardest person for me to believe, but especially when the story points to Bret Hart being a genius. But (laughs) he claims SummerSlam 92, like, for months he's trying to go, like, he has a whole plan to make it the perfect match, but British Bulldog is on something, and just, like, he can't even get him for a phone call, and then he doesn't see him until the day of the show, and he has to teach him everything, like that night and then bulldog gets in the ring and says i forgot it all then he has to carry him through the whole matchup that he planned that he t- finally told him about so
1: yeah, as Brett's stories know. go i find that one like that strikes my felt sense as it was probably something like that you know yeah. <laughs> maybe exaggerated a little but you just look at bulldog and his promos and his you know he doesn't have a lot of great singles matches apart from you know a select few or he was wrestling you know michaels or um or Brett, and maybe the list actually ends there, so, yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's one, because you haven't been big on the Bulldogs, and I was kind of neutral, but, like, the longer we're going, the more I'm being pulled in that direction, that, like, the promos are awkward, and the promos are cringy. and I enjoy, I enjoy a British Bulldog match, like, it's almost like the Sting Luger stuff, like, I know the stuff he's going to do, so if you pair, like you say, you pair him up right, and I enjoy it, but he doesn't seem connected and plugged in in a way that would make me excited about him
1: yeah I, I, that's definitely how i feel as well and um somebody pointed out that a lot of what we're seeing is post injury to uh dynamite, so maybe not yeah. seeing them at their best like with a lot of these guys but even so like we got to judge by what's there so
0: yeah we've said that about dynamite like yeah. no, no my two points on dynamite will always be number one it's probably not fair to him number two i don't care <laughs>
1: yeah he was not fair to a lot of other people, yeah. so there's there's some karma in that perhaps,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so we got uh slick accompanying the natural butchery to take on macho man Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth. The tournament continues
1: absolutely Randy Savage coming out in a beautiful blue robe. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, I like the costume changes, but his first robe actually was probably my favorite out of all of them. Like, this this thing was beautiful, I thought. And so. Yeah, that
0: that's the hard thing. Is like, it's such a great idea, you know, but then how do you decide, like, first, second, third, fourth? So that's <laughs> a fair <laughs> point. The first might be the best.
1: You know, I always thought he also changed, like, he changed his whole gear. And he yeah. actually did it. It was just his entrance gear. So I'm not going to critique him just for that because that's a lot of changing. But still, still. Um yeah uh God bless slick doing some dancing in the ring, still gotta show some love for this guy. um here's a match that savage is not gonna be dominant in all these matches, but I thought he won this one very easily, um kind of without incident in just a couple of minutes, so too bad for Butch Reed, who I like a lot. I feel like uh, maybe he had something more on the table than some of these other guys that got more time, but that's how it goes.
0: It was a weird one because Reed, I think kind of gets the best of him, you know. But then the okay, minute yeah. Savage gets out from under him, it's pretty much knock him down elbow. And again, you know, it really felt like they're booking Savage as like little guy who, you know, sneaks by type thing.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. You made a good comparison with Bret Hart. And we're going to have to think back to this day when we get to like King of the Ring, 1993, yeah. and um, maybe uh, see how those performances stack up.
0: I will say because he hit the elbow out of nowhere, that was one of the first times I think the crowd kind of raised um, in this evening. You know, like you said, they they were hungry for that moment, and uh, you know, I think they finally got something and it came out of nowhere. So you see the kind of crowd rise, and then they'll go back to you know the regular pace again.
1: Right, for sure. I think they were definitely trying to position Savage um, to probably get actually more of a pop than he did here, because I think uh, the crowd was definitely enjoying his win, but not. As loudly as maybe I thought they would. Um, yeah, so yeah, Yeah, we're going to have to see how that goes. I don't know. Maybe they uh, overplayed their hand too much with uh, the heels winning before that point.
0: Yeah, it, it was interesting because it's not knock on Savage, but right. I'm trying to be honest. But throughout the night, he never really got that kind of ovation that you would expect him to get. And you would expect that they would expect him to get for, for the push that he's getting in that evening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if it was where they were or yeah. maybe... The problems with the show did kind of affect the crowd or just I don't even know what they they were more into Hogan. You know, they're yeah. going to chant for Hogan when the main event comes around, not to, like, derail the match, but just because they want to see Hogan again. Um, and they want to see him backing up Savage. So uh, it is what it is. You know, we'll we'll talk about it as we go.
0: Absolutely. Bob Euchre is with Bobby Heenan and the Islanders. Heenan says that Euchre had a lot of letters to get into the Hall of Fame, but he would have had more, but he ran out of
1: stamps. (laughs) (laughs) Heenan and Euchre feel like a natural combination. I feel like they could have done a lot together.
0: Both of them are willing to sell like a like a hit. Like (laughs) a verbal hit.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh, He didn't have a surprise, and uh, for once, it's not going to be Andre the Giant, so uh, that's something. Um, And it's
0: so good. It's it's so good. It's very
1: good. I'm looking forward to that. I really enjoy the whole feud um, that they have here. I want to shout out one quick thing. Um, The interviews that they do on this show, a lot of them are in front of this beautiful backdrop, which is like Mm. a map of the world, but all the countries are like in gold bars, and like the, the, the oceans are like glittering and it's it's a friggin' beautiful backdrop and i uh, i really love it so i have to shout it out
0: mm. i'm glad you did cause that's one thing from child like i didn't remember if i would like the show or not but i remember colors and images yeah. that excited me and i could you know and, and that that is it and it goes oh, again with the idea of this tournament because it is really this kind of gamble and this kind of Like, you know how rare it is that you guys are going to get a title shot, right? So you need to go out there and make the most of it.
1: Absolutely, yeah. No, the good aspects of this show scream loud and clear to me. So anyone who is uh, entirely down on the show, I think, is uh, missing out on some good stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, Next up is One Man Gang versus Bam Bam. So we're coming back to Survivor Series 87 to continue our world title tournament.
1: Yeah, I looked at this match on paper and I was like, I'm not excited about this match. (laughs) And I was right. Um,
0: It's not very good.
1: It's not very good. It's one of my least favorite matches on the show. Um, it's, uh, It's not that long, I guess, which is a point in its favor. But, yeah, neither guy looks that good. At one point, Bigelow like does a weird cartwheel and then seems to like trip on himself and just falls on one man gang. I'm like, okay, maybe don't do the cartwheel then, buddy.
0: (laughs) Um, Yes, this is why though I love Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse. Gorilla Monsoon says a splash. Oh, he didn't get up in the air for that one. Like he didn't leave the ground. Instead of like (laughs) pretending, just tell it like it is.
1: Yep, I really appreciate that. You don't have to pretend uh, something is not the way you saw it. So God bless that. Uh, honestly, I didn't even follow exactly how this match ended. It's like this really convoluted count-out finish. Yeah. And this is another point in like the bad finish um, category, because it, it did not do the tournament any favors, I think.
0: I agree. Slick pulls down the top rope. We get a count-out, but they're already back in the ring, so you think maybe it was a disqualification, because this is also an era where they can call a DQ for something and have it 30 steps, like, prior, you know, and ignore everything else, so. Yeah. All right. You ready, Miss Man?
1: Oh, I'm ready. Yeah, tell me. Tell me what it's all about, man.
0: All right, so Gene Arkland is with Hulk Hogan. We're going to get this Hulk Hogan promo. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs>
1: this, is, uh, this is quite a promo, so, yes, please take us through it. And
0: Okay, so Hulk Hogan is with me, Gene Ukeland. Uh Gene Okerlund says, The past couple of months, it's been very hard to introduce this man without saying World Wrestling Federation Champion. So that's in itself is a nice comment, just because he was champion for four years. So in actuality, it would be weird to do that. Uh, Hulk Hogan starts in with this nonsense that we'll get with the Giant 10, 15 years later. With the fee, five, fo, thumb, one year and your time has come. We get one year, one year, one year. This was the longest, most consequential year, but it is one year. Hulk Hogan says, one year and no blemishes externally, but inside there have been blemishes. Hulkamaniacs, by God, are asking, was that really a three at WrestleMania three? So one year, and he's going to wash it all away today. And Then we enter into just the insanity that is Hulk Hogan. I don't know if this is fire. I don't know if it's space. I don't know if it's Earth. I don't know what the hell it is. But he's going to slam Andre the Giant, and uh, and Trump Plaza, the fault line, is going to break. Donald Trump and all the Hulkamaniacs are going to fall into the uh, under the earth, I guess, afterwards. Uh, but because they're Hulkamaniacs, they're going to be able to climb back out. And if they can't, then he's going to get down there, and they're going to climb on his back. It's insanity. Uh, it makes no sense. But is Hulk Hogan wide-eyed, uh, possessed... By something and it's all energy i don't know i don't know what it is but it's an energy uh that at this time gets over with the fans
1: sure i mean it there's there's some authenticity to this energy so even though if you listen to the words it sounds like the ranting of a madman and it does like this probably ultimate warrior listened to this promo very carefully and then uh, decided to (laughs) form his own promo style But, uh, Uh you know, it gets over for a reason. There's a lot of energy to it. It's sort of that larger-than-life thing that we've talked about. And, um, yeah, so um, fine promo for what it was. And, uh, once again, Hulk Hogan using the Hulkamaniacs and the children as a prop for whatever he needs. So, apparently, they were uh, interrogating him all year long and doubting him. So, now he has to uh, (laughs) – yeah, he's such a ridiculous person. But, hey, you know, it works. Yeah,
0: I did. You would think like Andre and DiBiase and Virgil and even Bobby Heenan for his sins are gonna fall into the earth because of the sin, you know, the sins that they committed. But like I don't know what it. There's an authenticity and a and a sickness and but but something about the Hulkamaniacs falling into the like him causing the thing and he's gonna do it anyway.
2: <laughs>
0: because I try to figure out like is this man is he just a phony is he anything else. And so we get, we get into these conversations on LOP forums and, you know, he claims it's all about the Hulkamaniacs and that, you know, it's that relationship. And so I said one time that if that's the case, then he should have stepped aside when the fans started cheering someone else because, you know, it's all about the Hulkamaniacs. But here he kind of makes the point that will come at Bash at the Beach is that when it really comes down to it, it is Hulk Hogan first. And the Hulkamaniacs have all this validity because they're Hulkamaniacs. But should they ever step out of line, then they just become vagabonds, too. So even in the greatness of like bringing everything together and them on his back, you can kind of see shades of Hollywood Hogan who would leave them in the earth if they make a different decision at the same time. It's dangerous to
1: be a Hulkamaniac. You might not be able to breathe one day. You don't know why because Hulk Hogan's (laughs) getting choked. You might end up on the ocean floor because Hogan knowingly destroyed a city. Like it's a it's a steep <laughs> price to be a hulkamaniac, so there you go.
0: Yeah, and and but and there's some there's a reality behind that, and he kind of is that guy, you know, because when he turns at Bash at the beach, he's gonna let him know like there's the reception I got was not satisfactory, and you know now it's over, and so it's this great bond that is built with so much. Legacy and history and religion and nationality. He's using all these things. And it really comes down to he's a stand-in messiah and you believe in him or you don't. And you are damned (laughs) if you don't. Oh, that's a complicated shit.
1: It is, yeah. Uh, If anyone out there can write the Hulk Hogan as to Jesus column, it's our prof. So that's my challenge to you, my friend, if you are up for it.
0: It's a cult. And it, like you said, it's a like danger. But at the same time, it's almost you see almost that they would stay in it because of the abuse. And that's hard. But, you know, there's so much on the line to be a Hulkamaniac and almost the value is raised because of that, you know, versus the being seen nation or whatever seen is. you know, um. I don't know what I don't know what the price is. I don't know what the standards are. I don't know why you're in it or why you're outside of it. So. There's something in the perversion of it is also, I think, the allure for some of these hulkamaniacs.
1: <laughs> I think part of being hulkamaniac um, is suffering for your leader because, uh, yes, time and time again, Hogan will uh, put the hulkamaniacs in harm's way in these promos, and the uh, year he really loses it, he's talking about them being gassed by Sergeant Slaughter and being in a mass grave by the undertaker and all this stuff and it's just the culmination of what we're already seeing if you're a hulkamaniac better be willing to pay that (laughs) price and suffer and you'll probably do it gladly because that's that's what kind of cult we're in everybody
0: it is and this is the second or third time that he said he's gonna split the fault line from i think the northeast all the way to florida so it's also times he always mentions Hulkamaniacs who aren't even in the building. When they may not even be watching. They don't even know what's going on. But they're going to suffer the consequences for being a Hulkamaniac. They will. And it's a weird... Like, you would think you would not say these things. <laughs> but he's so, like, so forward about it.
1: <laughs> I say, he's just... He might as well cut out a promo and say, Oh, it'll be seven years of suffering for all the Hulkamaniacs. But then you'll go to yeah. Hulk of Heaven after that. You know? So, it's just... <laughs> It's Hulkamania as the rapture, you know, I don't
0: know what to tell you. It is. And that the tribulation is kind of, you know, that WCW. Like the NWO is <laughs> brought, number one, NWO is the New World Order, which is a biblical term connected to all of that. Yep. But it is, on all of it, it's like you stopped sharing me, and now you're going to go through tribulation, and you're going to pay, and you're not going to have anything, and I'm going to strip you of everything that you have, because you know that it's, and it's Garden of Eden, because... Again, there's only one fruit you cannot eat of, and that is like betraying Hulk Hogan, disrespecting Hulk Hogan, not you know doing the Hulkamaniac thing, and you ate of it by God, and now you you have sinned and you are damned.
1: That's <laughs> what happens when uh, two wrestling fans had to go to too much Sunday school when they were kids. Yeah. So <laughs> this is the consequence.
0: It's weird though because I'm remembering something from because my older brother was the biggest Hulkamaniac in the world and. Yeah, he hated Lex Luger and that red, white, and blue stuff because he always let me know, all oh, the fans aren't sharing this, and this is not Hulk Hogan. And one time he told me, like, Lex Luger never gives them anything where they have to they can, they have to be involved. They have to do something to make him. Like, there's, that, that thing's not there. No, I didn't really know a, what that he'll meant. take thing.
1: a bus to shake their hand. Hogan's not taking a bus yeah. to shake your hand, so.
0: <laughs> exactly. Hulk okay, yeah, you're going to take a bus to me, and then I'm not going to be there, and you're going to like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then the bus will explode because I'm fighting somebody, and it's all right, yeah.
0: Oh, man, so that, that's Hulk Hogan's promo, and that's the commentary around it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Hulk Hogan would have slammed that bus. Luger should have racked the bus. Then people would have liked yeah.
0: it. so... I don't think Vince liked him doing the rack, so...
1: Well, that... Yeah, that's true. They gave him the forearm and all this other yep. weird crap man the rag is like the best thing it is okay all right i'm gonna just put that aside we're gonna talk about it a lot later
0: yeah so we we got to get to rick rude versus jake roberts
1: Oh, for god's sake no let's talk about lex luger for 15 minutes instead
0: (laughs) thank god we don't disagree on this because i i I feared that this might be one okay
1: this isn't the worst match this is the 15 minute draw and they could hardly have picked two worse guys to do it with i think um It's not the worst match ever, but it's, like, it's a long way to go to a match that is just, like, eh, like, it was there. These two are going to have much better matches when they have something to fight about. They're going to have the angle with Rick Rude and Jake's wife, and it's actually going to be very hot, and I'm looking forward to it, and this ain't that. This is, like, 15 pretty boring minutes, so (laughs) if they were going to have, like, a four-minute disqualification... Here's the friggin' match to do it with. So, yeah. Alright, that's what I
0: got. Alright, so five times in the in a 15-minute match, Rick Rude puts him in a rest hole lock, a headlock. Um, oh, wow. I wrote, this, this match is stops and starts without the starts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so... Uh,
1: here, I want to say, I like... Um, the beginning of the match is actually kind of good, because it's a lot... Like, they lock up, and Jake steps back and rick rulo falls on his face and he sells it really well and you know he's like bailing out of the ring and bobby is like hugging him which is such a classic heel manager move that everyone always hates um but then yeah as soon as rick takes over you might as well just grab a pillow because nothing else is going to happen in this match
0: (laughs) yeah so my girlfriend called it a very dragging match um she said all all the pink wearing people i don't like (laughs)
1: Is that a reference to Rick Rude's kind of horrifying yeah. trunks with, like, a stretched-out human face on it?
0: I don't know who else of it is. But I guess it's Bret Hart in the Battle Royal, Rick Rude. I don't know if there's anyone else, but anyone that she has seen so far in pink she had not enjoyed, so.
1: That's plenty. I thought Savage um, was pink, though. Maybe it was purple or something.
0: He may have. I don't know. But Savage, I don't think, was in that list.
1: I wouldn't think so.
0: Jesse Ventura, who loves Rick Rude to death. His compliment of this match is that it feels like 45 minutes. <laughs> That's his compliment. I
1: missed that, but it's it's incredibly apt, yeah. This match was almost as long as the Dino Bravo lifting segment, so here you go.
0: The Boston Crab pin is also not a cover, by the way. No. That is not a pin. That, that man is not being pinned, so that <laughs> irritated me. Uh, this is bad. I don't know how many people out there have the guts to say it, because I, I, I realize who's in the match but this is this is not a good match
1: it's not yeah i don't know if you think this match is great explain to me why and i'm not like like i said i think these two actually have really good matches later and we're gonna watch some of those and hopefully uh we will be as fair to them as we're being to this this match is not good it's very it's an eh match like there's just not much there
0: yeah there's no excuse for five times going down the mat in a headlock in a 15 minute match no Maybe issues. you
1: had it right that, yeah, Rick Rude's idea of being a heel is just to bore the audience into submission. So it, It's annoying because you can see all the good things about Rick Rude, and I think we will see at times when he is pushed out of this comfort zone where he will be kind of what people say he is, where he will be like this great like total package wrestler. But, man, if you let him do what he wants to do, seemingly – you you should probably just go to sleep instead it will save yourself some time
0: it is a form of antagonism i think as a heel and i don't know what it is about my fandom but more times than not if your if your goal is to like be a heel because you annoy people at the end of the day then you still annoy people and i'm not paying and giving my time just to be irritated <laughs> it's got to be more than that
1: yeah there are levels of irritation There there are some like quote-unquote annoying heels uh, who you actually love to watch, and there are some who are just legitimately frustrating and irritating, and that's not fun. You want people to be having fun. Is that not difficult to <laughs> understand? Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, it is what it is, I guess.
0: Yeah, so that one happened, and then Gene Erklund and uh, Vanna White give us the brackets, so we find out that she doesn't know who Bob Euker is, despite everything that he has said. Oh. Uh, <laughs> this, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is also the, uh, when uh, Vanna White says of Hulk Hogan or of, the no, DiBiase, she's a Hulk Hogan fan and against DiBiase, she says, I don't like anyone buying anything for anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, a bold anti-capitalist statement yeah. from Vanna White. She and Slick should be getting together, like they can yeah. be subversive together. Wow, <laughs> I never thought of that. That's a great, great, great call out.
0: Yeah, hell of a statement. is like out on the ledge on that one. Uh, <laughs> thank you for ordering the pay-per-view as well, folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to get the bracket thing each time, and then we're back to the ring. This is not a tournament matchup. This is Hercules taking on the Ultimate Warrior.
1: So we finally come to the Ultimate Warrior, having marquee matches. Um I, I hate The Ultimate Warrior. I think I might actually rather watch Beefcake, so I'm not going to have a whole lot to say. about uh, I, I I On every That's level, I, he's the worst person in real yeah. life. In the ring, he is just terrible. 99.99999 times out of 100. There's one Ultimate Warrior match that I'm looking forward to, and you know the one, yeah. of course. It's the Randy Savage match, and this ain't that hercules deserves better (laughs) ultimate warrior sucks they do the lame they again like they just did this they again do the lame spot where like hercules pins himself and it looks bad again and i don't know hercules should have been doing anything besides this he's stuck with the freaking ultimate warrior
0: yeah this ultimate warrior is bad by ultimate warrior standards in this era (laughs) i think so
1: yes he's not he's even worse Than like peak Ultimate Warrior, which is still not good, and he's just like, like his upside is obvious. So if you are an Ultimate Warrior fan, I don't hold it against you. I can understand why, but I will just never be in that headspace because he is so bad at so many things, and I just have no time for him.
0: Yeah, for all of us who knock WWS formula, God bless. Like he needs his formula, and he doesn't have it yet.
1: He's worse without it, yeah. Holy smokes. Poor Hercules. All right, so
0: mm-hmm. I'll hit a couple. of Jesse Ventura has the best loss. So Ultimate Warrior broke Hercules' chain is what I'm getting from this. And, yes. uh, Jesse Ventura praises Hercules, saying, Hercules had to hold it for Warrior to snap it. That's <laughs> and a, it's, a, mm.
1: it's the segment, they're doing like a tug-of-war, basically, and the chain breaks, and somehow everyone's like, Ultimate Warrior broke the chain. And like they're both holding The friggin' chain, like if Hercules was not as strong as Hercules, as Ultimate Warrior, then he would have just like lost the tug of war. The chain would not have broken. So (sighs) it's a ridiculous thing to base a match off of and it makes no sense. So yeah, there you go.
0: It's about, I don't want to spoil later, but it's it's about as logical as uh, two people getting double disqualified for using chairs, but you don't call the DQ until the second person (laughs) used it. Gosh, yeah, that bothered me a lot, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, so uh, this one, uh, it's also a warrior without his formula, like I said. You know, the thing with the belly-to-back type thing, he does the Bret Hart uh, a kick in the corner, flip over, except he's not flipping over into a roll-up. He's flipping himself into a belly-to-back being pinned. He shouldn't be trying to flip. He shouldn't be trying to think. He shouldn't be trying to wrestle. He shouldn't be trying to do anything smart. So those those are all problematic right there.
1: For sure. And it's another, like, it's not a DQ or a countout, but it's another bad finish on a show that had just too many bad finishes. So this part of the criticism, I think, uh, is accurate. And in fairness, it's another bad match. Like, this is just a bad match, flat out, I think. Um, so there's some validity to these criticisms.
0: My yeah. biggest critique of the show is that you, did, you didn't need some of these non-tournament matches. Oh, like, yeah. i would get, get rid of this and the IC title match.
1: Throw, yeah, th- both of those out keep hercules throw somebody out who was in the tournament who shouldn't have yeah. been there and you've got a better show give everybody a little more time except rick root and jake roberts give them a lot less time like there were just things to do to make this show better ultimately i did like this show a lot but there were some clear things that could have improved it so i will say that
0: couple of commentary things uh girl monsoon on bobby's lack of spending at the casino he says i call him deep pocket short arms <laughs>
1: Oh, I love that. Monsoon and Heenan, man. Ah, I'm now, I'm thinking back. I've been talking about things I don't like. Now I'm thinking back to them in Atlantic City and all the segments they did yeah. and how good that was. So that, that, a warmth, a warm feeling just washed over me. So that's nice.
0: Absolutely. Uh, we go to the video footage of the last year. You just, if you don't watch anything and you just watch that video footage, it will remind you of just historic, how historically great Hogan and Andre has been. Absolutely. So we got that. I think it's a nice push-off, and then we're going into, again, what I would think a hundred times is it's going to be Hulk Hogan settling the score with Andre the Giant here and <laughs> pinning him.
1: Yeah, and somebody uh, in the forums, I think, mentioned it, it's never going to happen. Not really. Um, Hogan is never going to beat Andre any more conclusively than he did at WrestleMania three, and we know there was controversy there, and uh, he's never going to get that clear victory. That has no controversy around it, so it's it's yes. very interesting, you know.
0: I have a note on that at the very end of the show, and I think I think that matters deeply for why this feud stands the test of time.
1: Mm, yeah, I agree. It's it's different from a lot of from almost any Hogan feud in that respect.
0: So we got Hogan and Andre. Andre has DB and Virgil. Gorilla Monsoon is not having that. Jesse Terra says you got to look at it like this. DiBiase is here for Andre and Virgil is here for DiBiase.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like you can only have one person. It's like the unspoken rule, but then yes. you can just have a chain of people potentially. So, um, I uh, This match is very different than the one they had the year before and even different than the one they had in February. Uh, Andre attacks Hogan as soon as he gets in the ring. No stare down. No mm. kind of like moment for the aura to crackle. And I'll say I this match is fine. But I think we're going to have a different opinion, because I think you said it was kind of on par with their other matches. And I
2: didn't, no, I didn't say that.
1: Okay, all right. Well, I was I was not feeling that way yeah. anyway. This match feels lesser. It, as good as the year has been, and it's been very good consistently, I think it was let down a little bit in this match, because as it goes, it's not exactly about Hogan and Andre anymore. They don't really get the moment to kind of like soak it all in, um they almost rushed through it a little bit i don't know if the show went long or what but this match is a little bit odd it's not bad but compared to how much i liked even their february match i was not that into this match
0: yeah i think a couple of things i don't know how much how many more matches because wrestlemania 3 is the or match is to stare down as the ninety three thousand, yeah. and then we praised the last match for almost not being a match it's like this like again this kind of rpg strategy where you know <laughs> hogan is just coming with hammers and all kind of shit so good, and man. then this one i think what i was praising is that the fan the the fan the fans are still receiving andre and hogan on the same level of oh, the other yeah. like that has not fallen off
1: no you're absolutely right about that i do appreciate that so that's a good point
0: But, you know, this is a – I don't know what this matchup should have been considering how it's going to end because, you know, I think they're fortunate that they didn't have almost just, like, the night end with this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Um, uh, It's a very clunky – well – I'll say this. There's one thing in the match I like that I want to mention before we talk about the end. Uh, Andre does the spot where he gets trapped in the ropes, and that spot is so iconic to me. (laughs) I love that. That That's probably my favorite thing in the whole match, so I got to shout that out before we go on.
0: Yeah, it's number one that's so iconic in itself, but then you got Virgil trying to work one arm and DiBiase trying to work the other. It's just that image that... Virgil is a bodyguard, and Ted DiBiase is contending for the world title, and neither man can get one arm of Andre out of the ropes.
1: Yes, great imagery, great bit in the match here. Um, but, yeah, we do have this very clunky finish, and it's another bad finish, so I'm going to shout it out again. Um, DiBiase comes in, the ref's not looking. Uh, he hits Hogan in the bag with a chair. Hogan no-sells it. Hogan takes the chair. The referee is looking right at him, and Hogan just smacks Andre in the head, and it's obviously a disqualification, yeah. <laughs> and they just keep going, and then Andre gets the chair a little bit later, and then he hits Hogan, and then the bell rings, and it's like, <sighs> yeah, I don't. It's such a messy finish. And then I didn't like after the match, Hogan knocks Andre down with the chair, which is not really needed in my opinion. He leaves him laying in the ring. He goes off. He chases Hogan, uh, Dibiase away. He beats up Virgil. He comes back to the ring, and this kind of broke my heart a little. He slams Andre very undramatically, and, I don't know, it just it felt like a mess, and it was not nearly as satisfying as all the Hogan-Andre stuff up to this point, which has been great, and it was kind of a letdown to me, so I don't know, it's another point kind of against this show, I thought, mm.
0: I think I like the match a little bit better. I like some of the stuff in Hogan knocked Andre down the first time. Andre's only on the knee, and Hogan's pointing at it, and it's just like grand theater that he got into his knee. Sure. Um, I don't know that they could have done anything to make this great in that I can't accept, like you said, the ending does cannot make sense because Hogan hits him with the chair. Hogan stops, Andre stops, and the ref stops. Like The whole thing stops, and then Andre takes it and uses it, and then it's a double DQ. He's lucky it's not a DQ, but right. – um, the only thing I like that's underneath the surface of that is the fact that Joey Morella uh, ends up eliminating both men, so the the guy at the controversy between them ends up, in a weird way, like, I don't know if it's poetic or if Morella just doesn't need to be a referee or what it is, but you know, nobody gets satisfied, so did, 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 if you think that Andre Penn Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 3, then all of Morella sucks. If you think, you know, And now we get this ridiculous double DQ, but I don't think they could have done anything. The fans were into it. We can debate, you know, the quality of the matchup, but there's no salvation for an ending that doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, to that point, Jory Morella, if he didn't screw Andre at WrestleMania 3, he definitely screwed him here. Because you're right, like, it's an obvious DQ. He just lets it keep going until he can throw both guys out. So that ain't good. Uh, I will say on the match itself... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just, on the match itself. I'm probably coming off harsher on the match cuz I don't think it's a bad match. It's fine. It's not up to the standard of their other encounters of WrestleMania 3, of Survivor Series 1987, of even the main events uh, the month before. It's not up to that standard, so it's a little disappointing. It's not bad, but even so, like why can you not like, a double countout would have made so much more sense here. It would yes. have been so much easier to do. And I really like the idea of both guys being eliminated, but the way they did it was just bad, so it's not yeah. good. Yeah,
0: there's no excuse for how they did it. Yeah. I think double countout is great because they they want to get at each other. I think that's why we don't get the aura and the pose down, because they're past, like, standing in a ring and looking at each other, Right. you know. But that, that leads also to a double count-out, though, because it just gets so out of hand that they don't even think to get back in the ring. Mm-hmm. And Hogan, though, is the only one getting screwed in a way, because I do think what I like storyline-wise, Andre the Giant never came here to win this tournament.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, number one, again, what it says about, you know, either the character of Andre not caring about the belt, like, there's still something deep in there. But also, it doesn't matter how it happens. Like, only one person wanted to win this matchup.
1: Mm-hmm, Yeah. And that would have worked even better with the count out because I I'm just having yes. a vision of like Andre just holding on yes. to Hulk Hogan as he tries to get back to the ring. And it's a great visual. And I don't know, it would have been a lot better. I
0: think. Oh yeah. with mean, gorilla and them, you know, talking about, it doesn't make sense. Like he's getting, he's getting himself counted out, you know, right? but
2: yeah,
0: all of that, is, I agree with all that. Uh, there's no excuse for the ending. I think though, here, I think you said this earlier, but that, there's my note as well is that, The fact that Hogan never really gets the best of him in a way, I said that um, it's almost as if WrestleMania three never gets settled and part of why this program has so much life even to this day.
1: I do like that. Um, But I do want to say again, I was disappointed that after the match, after Hogan beats up Virgil and all this stuff, he just comes back to the ring and he just slams Andre like an afterthought. And um, it did make me feel, well, Hogan, maybe he's never going to get that, like, final pin on Andre, but is Andre still as serious a threat to Hogan as he was before, if Hogan can just kind of, like, walk back casually, (laughs) slam him, and, uh, pose for everyone at length, so, I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point.
1: Yeah. I also, (laughs) somehow, Gorilla Monsoon spins that Hogan, posing like he was still champion, Shows a lot of class, quote unquote. And somehow, <laughs> yeah. like in Babyface Speak, this makes sense to these people, so <laughs> alright, cool.
0: There's um, also something satisfying that the visuals go from Hulk Hogan in his pose down as not world champion and no longer in a tournament, straight to an image of Randy Savage with Gene Urkelin in the back
1: good and bad because I like the dichotomy, but it also means the first words out of Savage's mouth are about Hulk Hogan. And as we're going to see later on in this show, there's a little too much of that for my taste.
0: In theory, that's how I feel too. And it's probably part of me does, but I'll also make a case, I think for the other side of it and we'll just put all the opinions on the table.
1: Okay. All right, cool. Um, we do see Savage. He now is definitely in pink and, uh, Liz to match him, which is a very nice touch. Uh, he does talk about Hogan being cheated. And uh, I really just... I'm like, Savage, talk about yourself. Like, yeah. Hogan wouldn't be here talking about you. He'd be talking about himself. So be be like that. Come on.
0: I think they know the fan base at this time. He says Hogan's a cheated man, not a defeated man. But then he goes on to say, I've had the blessing of the mania all along, the madness with the mania. So I think they definitely... they are probably overdoing it, but I think they're trying to defend against like a fan base turning on Randy Savage when he wins the title, and Hulk Hogan's not champion.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's validity to that, because we know how popular Hulk Hogan is, and like I said, we're going to hear his name chanted in the main event before he even shows yeah. up there, and I guess it's their credit that you don't get the sense that they're chanting like, Hulk Hogan should be in this match, and not you, but yeah. they definitely are like, well, Hulk Hogan needs to come out too, so that we know it's really the main event, so... Cool. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're right. And it's it's an understated Savage. I'll say that in every segment he's in is yeah. I expected to see more and it's in two different veins, and like them allowing him to do more, but also I just thought he would pop more with the with the crowd more in the show than he did. So this it's an interesting time.
1: Like on almost every show we've seen Savage on, we've talked about how he's like this unbelievable ball of energy that is just exploding in every direction infinitely. And he is—he isn't that on this show. I don't think he no. ever really looks like that. So it's weird, you know. I don't know why exactly that happened.
0: And that's an int- i think that's where too the space element is interesting because we love him for how otherworldly he is, and then you give him a night of being cautious and his feet touch the floor. He's still great. You still like him, absolutely. But so much is different. Yeah, uh, he's come down a long way from where he usually uh, dwells.
1: If this, if he had put on, if he had stopped wearing the short trunks, he'd put on the long trunks and like the shirt vest thing. Mm. I wouldn't have been surprised. We saw like the first appearance of that Savage tonight.
0: That's very well said. That is perfectly said because like, there's no bad Savage, I don't think, in that. Yeah. But there is a, there is a watered down Randy Savage, and that is that. That is the image of the watered down Randy Savage. Absolutely. The- the pants the shirt and the cowboy hat Mm
1: -hmm. yep yeah i randy savage has a great career all the way you know maybe not to the end of wcw but like a long ways into it he's always very consistently good but there is no savage quite like the savage of 1987 who just like can't stop exploding even if he wanted to and i feel like we're going to see more of that savage but maybe not quite exactly like we have seen so i don't know we're gonna have to watch him very closely um to see if that is true
0: and then again it's the thing why the hogan like i watched my my girlfriend i try not to see it but she reacts to hulk hogan in a way that she doesn't react to anyone else like (laughs) she kept talking about how crazy he is you know like with his eyes and his trembling but it's a way of just no matter what you're saying, like she's reacting to Hulkamania and the power of Hulkamania in this, in this era. And one thing Hulk Hogan does is he, he's horrible and he's a rule breaker and, and he's cruel in his, in his verbal uh, assaults, even on the Hulkamaniacs. Whereas everyone from Randy Savage through Bret Hart, through Lex Luger, through John Cena, they straighten up and behave when they become the babyface and people like them less for it. And Hulk oh. Hogan did not do that. It's all considered a model after Hogan, and they're doing the very thing Hulk Hogan never seemed to do.
1: Yeah. Uh, Hogan definitely wrote his own rules. He was uh, bigger than Jesus, you know, (laughs) so he just set his own commandments and uh, make up anything he wanted. Hulk Hogan didn't conquer the world of wrestling by accident. So, yeah, I can't say I'm shocked that a a non-fan would have big reactions to him. And I think uh, whether those are positive or negative, he's always going to draw big reactions from people.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. I'll be interested if you watch some of the later stuff with her when Hogan becomes uh, yeah. more a caricature. Because we still have 80s Hogan right here. And, you know, he's inching slowly towards that sort of insufferable Hogan. But he's not there yet. He's very much in the moment. He's very compelling. Um. So I can't speak too harshly against Hogan in 1988.
0: Yeah. And that's what Savage is doing, though, in a way, and it's a very subdued, like, I almost know I don't deserve to be world champion, so let me be super kind to Hogan, let me be super humble, let me be super slow and just kind of, you know, oh, I barely got by. Like, that's not what got you here.
2: Right.
0: That's not what's going to carry you through, and Hulk Hogan is never going to show a bit of humility in the entirety of his career, Mm. and you can rightfully knock some of that, but there's something... And it's inauthentic in a way like you don't have to be the asshole that Hulk Hogan is. But there's a fine line between like the minute you become a world champion, it's almost like, oh, I have no opinion about myself. I'm not even enjoying what I'm doing. I'm just doing it because it's the right thing to do. And this is what people do. Mm, like, yeah. Really, is that is that it, Savage? Is that is that what it is? You know, so there's something there's a there's a uh, rubbing off the edges or uh, what Savage is, at least in this night. And I think maybe for some good reasons and maybe also maybe not for some good reasons.
1: I will always wonder what it would have looked like to have Randy Savage on top of any promotion that didn't have Hulk Hogan in mm. it. Unfortunately, we will never know what that looks like. So,
0: Was that you or was that someone, uh, one of the listeners, that talked about if Savage went to the N.W.A.?
1: I think somebody else mentioned that first. Okay. And what a thing to think about, you know, I don't know what that would have looked like, but uh, I know it probably would have kicked ass. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's that that's Savage and Flair you know, Dusty Rhodes is there at that time, you know, it's interesting and it's just going to be like, you talk about the dysfunctional up and down relationship that Savage is going to have with Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. like he's going to have a longer dysfunctional relationship with Hulk Hogan so, all the things that are rooted here, both in beauty and brilliance also become like the hell that all these people will live in for the majority of their careers.
1: Yeah I think, um Eric Bischoff uh, made the comment at some point in some shoot interview. He has this whole show or whatever. I don't know. I don't listen to it, but uh, at least I have heard um, that he's talked about how it was really hard to book around Savage and Hogan at times. Cause you had no idea one day to the next, if they would be best friends or absolutely hate each other's guts, like couldn't be in the same room. So definitely a very tumultuous and difficult long-standing relationship there.
0: Yeah it's painful it's, it, there's beauty and there's pain in it but you know yeah. you live yeah. long enough to see a lot of things and that's the same thing you were saying like yeah. we see a lot of we see a lot of horrible things happening and it's, it's sometimes it's, it's hard not to lose hope and faith in everything that you try to participate in
1: yeah yeah that's definitely i've been feeling a lot of this week and uh, it's nice to get into this stuff and god knows not all of these people are good either but mm-hmm. uh, at least there's some distance to it and there's um kind of just a feeling to focus on the good parts of it so i'm just going to think about that for now
0: yeah i think it's part of why we, I, I had a moment before the show too where i thought you know it almost would be great not to be doing the show so you don't have to talk about anything because <laughs> like no matter where you go right now it just feels like you know life is hard and that it sucks yeah. and that you know shit is bad and so we don't we don't we don't shy away from the the ugly and the bad, but we also are trying to lift up the parts that make us fan that makes us fans as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's all we can do right now. So
0: Morocco is going to take on Ted DiBiase. Um.
1: <laughs> Don Morocco here to pick up his uh, participation trophy in this tournament. <laughs> so.
0: He gets a couple of nice little slams, though. The old Lex Luger slam in there. I'm always a fan of that.
1: (laughs) uh, I'm a big Don Morocco fan. I like him a lot. I will always rep him. Um, But he is a total non-factor in this tournament. So he does get to do a few good things, a few good moves, show off uh, the things that he is good at. But uh, he never had a prayer here. So, yeah, he does take the loss before too long. And uh, Ted DiBiase with a pretty easy path to the finals at this point.
0: Again, in an era of consequences, I love the fact that Virgil cannot be out here because Ted DiBiase fed Virgil to Hulk Hogan. And Hogan <laughs> suplexed him on the floor, and now DiBiase has, has lost his bodyguard because you don't just hop up and then stand in the segment next segment because that's your job.
1: That's a very nice thought. I, I appreciate that a lot as well.
0: So DiBiase goes on. DiBiase, another star of the show. And, you yeah. know, it's going to be interesting to watch the trajectory of his career as we go forward.
1: Yeah, I wish he had had a chance to have uh, some better matches because the main event obviously is good, uh, even though at times it feels like the focus yes. is not where it should be. But yeah, like in terms of, I'll just say again, like if we could have had DiBiase versus Steamboat, like what a thing that could have been. Why, <sighs> you know, I as much as I liked Valentine versus Steamboat, why not put Steamboat in Morocco's position and actually have someone exciting, that maybe, just possibly, you know, you could believe that he could get the win, because even if he's been de-emphasized, fans remember the year before, like, he's still popular, he's a bigger name than Morocco, for God's sake, so, I don't know, I don't know why you can't have Valentine beat Morocco, and then he can go and do the same thing, and then you have Steamboat beat Dino Bravo, and then you can actually have a good match with DiBiase, and, I don't know, just... Again, for all the good things about this show, it would have been so easy to improve it, I think. There are just some missed opportunities here.
0: That's fair. I I wonder if I held the same standard to some of the other WrestleMania's. Because I, I like WrestleMania 3 a lot, but it, I felt like at some points there was like three weeks of wrestling or three weeks of show that I was watching. You know, so <laughs> if I started critiquing how to make the show run better, I think this whole era... Cause I did, and that's not to dismiss what you're saying, because there are easy ways to have better matches mm-hmm. um, that I completely accept.
1: And it's, it's a fair point, too. No show is perfect. And, you know, they, they did what they thought was the right thing at the time, and they got what they got. And the good parts are obviously good. And the things that could have been better, well, hindsight is twenty twenty. but But uh, I don't know. They're, 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 there are some points to be made about this show. That's yeah. all I'll say.
0: I really like the end of this match, though. DiBiase does a little spin around and then catches him and, and stun guns him. And sometimes the biggest heel thing you can do is let him do something fancy, get away with it, and win clean. <laughs> I
1: like that it was a clean win. Um, I never bought the stun gun as a finisher. I'll just say that. It does not ever look like a finisher to me, but I won't get hung up on that, so to speak.
0: Okay. Bob Euchre is with Demolition and Mr. Fuji.
1: I love Demolition. I'll just say that. Uh, I forgot, actually, that they were going to wrestle strike Strikeforce. I got very excited when I remembered that that match is going to be on the card. So that that is something I'm really looking forward to.
0: I'm not sure what kind of baseball they, the Demolition watched, but they said, Remember in your baseball days when someone would hit you over the head with a baseball bat? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, that sounds on brand for Demolition, anyway. Yeah. Um, and hey, Mr. Fuji didn't have a jar of mustard out here, so yeah. that's a point God. for him as well. <laughs>
0: i, was I think about week.
1: that sometimes about your story that you saw that and you just walked away and that just yeah. I, it makes me i laugh about that to myself
0: so. yeah. <laughs> you just know something gross is going to happen that you don't have to be part of and <laughs> you can choose not to be part of it <laughs> that big mustard jar give me a break oh my gosh again though at least he had salt later if he had beat lex luger at summer with mustard that's the only way it could have got worse That'd be Lex Luger's weakness. Like, oh, he wanted to save America, but the man doesn't like mustard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. So we got Steamboat's former opponent, uh, Randy Savage now taking on Greg the Hammer Valentine. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, uh, talk about matches that look good on paper. At least we got this match to, uh, look forward to. Um, again, it's pretty short, uh, but, uh, that's kind of par for the course at this point. um, I love Valentine. I talked about that before. I don't know if anyone could have believed he had a chance here because, to your point, the WWF never really presented him as much of anything. Uh, but I would gladly watch him hammer his way all the way to the world title. Um, so, so yeah. Um, man, I, they're like... This tournament is so weird because there are so many buys. I can't even keep track of what round we're in sometimes. But I'm thinking at this point, like, are there even any other baby faces in the tournament still? I don't think so. It's Savage, Valentine, One Man Gang, and Ted DiBiase. So I wonder who will go to the final. Yeah. You know, big mystery.
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought about that, too, when we were in it. I like, again, because I wasn't watching back then, I don't know how much people thought about it like that. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But right. it definitely hit me that, like, who's it going to be other than Randy Savage? <laughs>
1: So definitely telegraphing it a bit at that point, but hey, you know it
0: is what it is. So this is another match. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. Greg Valentine is like Greg Valentine. When I see Randy Savage running, I'm usually like Randy Savage is winning, but he's being slow, slow ran by Greg Valentine from corner to corner, and so he's running technically, but it's slow, and 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 Greg Valentine's controlling him, and that's how deep their their uh, characters and their styles are that. Okay, so it's running, so Savage should be have the advantage, but it's slow running because Valentine is leading it, and Valentine's got his massive hooks in Savage, so Valentine technically is winning, but they're running. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, if, if there's a slow element, then Greg Valentine is probably the master of it. it like, yeah. unassailable when things are slow, so...
0: Valentine does a shoulder breaker at one time. And if you watch the way he lifts them, then the way he holds them, then the way he drops them, that all of it has a punctuation on it.
1: Absolutely. Love, 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 love. Greg the Hammer Valentine. Uh, and he does a great job here. This is um, this is not in my top two, but this is probably just on the next uh, tier down. Yeah, like uh, This is in my top four. Matches for sure. It's a very good match.
0: Yeah, as a, as a figure four into a roll-up. This is, again... Savage will not come out looking great, really, in any of these matches. So it's just sneaking by or rushing by or barely getting by um, Mm kind of style.
1: And I loved uh, after Valentine is pinned, he pops right up, and he's like, what? Like, he's so, like, sells how shocked he is. Like, this is a guy who, in his mind, he was on that path to win that world title, and he lost it so suddenly. So uh, a nice little moment of selling that. That's how you know who the really great people are, because they're in that moment, they can do those things, that you know, like, this is not planned ahead of time, you're in the moment, you're in that character, I don't know, it's the little things that I appreciate.
0: It would have been nice, if someone had watched this, and been like, we need to reward Greg Valentine, and we need to do more with him.
1: God's sake, you know what they're gonna do, of course, put him in a tag team, with the (laughs) friggin honky tongue man, so. (sighs) Somehow, I thought
0: that already happened, but you know. If only.
1: no we will we have to suffer through it uh someday we'll probably not but i would love to go back and do like the tito santana feud Mm. he had before this we'll go back farther and do the feud he had with roddy piper and the nwa there's so much great Greg valentine stuff that we we barely scratched the surface with this series
0: yeah you would think he'd break out once in a while coming off of all that but it just it, never happened. it doesn't happen in WWF, it doesn't happen in WCW.
1: He's got a Ron Garvin feud that I'm looking forward to, that I'm sure will not be treated as that big a deal, but uh, I don't know. All I've seen between them has been very fun, so at least I'm going to look forward to that. I'm going to cling to it.
0: Yeah, they make sense on paper together. They do. They do. Uh, I guess we are advancing the bracket <laughs> tournament because Gina R. Clinton and Vanna White are back there. Vanna White says uh, the more she sees Liz, the more energy Savage has. Gene Echlin says, kind of like us, to no response.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's a man who knows what he wants, I guess. So, all right.
0: Okay, speaking of what we want, uh, we have got to go back to the ring. We got Honky Tonk Man defending that uh, worker's belt against Brutus the Barber Beefcake.
1: I must be a Hulkamaniac because now I'm suffering. I wish someone (laughs) would slam me to the bottom of the ocean and...
0: And don't rescue me.
1: (laughs) Um, Don't don't bring me back up, please. Hogan, just let me drown here. Oh, my gosh.
0: You think to the trauma that you would go, even if Hogan's going to rescue you at the end, the trauma that you go through, but then that trauma that Hogan puts you through is classic abuse, because then you're going to be more thankful that he saved you, you know, and then you're just deeper in your Hulkamania.
1: Not if you get back to shore and they're renting this match.
0: That's true. Like, why did you bring me back?
1: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's Brutus the Beefcake versus honky Tonk Man, and you could hardly think of a worse match on paper to put. And guess what? It lives down to every possible expectation. This match sucks. It's so bad. It's the worst match I think we've seen in the WWF Legacy Series so far. I could not wait for this match to be over.
0: Oh man, so you are a lot more into intergender wrestling than I am, to to put it mildly. Correct. I would long, I long to go back in history and make Peggy Sue the intercontinental champion. God bless. Oh man, she would have been so good at it. I'd have zero qualms with that. Oh my gosh. And these two aren't even challengers.
1: They're not even in the company. Please, my god.
0: She's so good.
1: She's great. She's the only good thing in this whole match, for God's sake. Even when
0: she's out there dancing and stuff? Like, that's what Honky Tonk Man is supposed to be. But Honky Tonk Man, to me, is boring and lame and, like, he looks like he just came out of the rain and he's, like, his clothes are sticking to him, his head's wet. And she's, like, just, like, got charisma and, and you can react to it. And Beefcake's the same way. Another one that just because you dress them up in clothes that are colorful does not mean they have charisma.
1: Absolutely not. Even the commentary spends like a big chunk of time just talking about Peggy Sue and like how they actually like her. (laughs) Like they agree on this completely.
0: (laughs) When she's at ringside and this Peggy Sue is a completely different gimmick than Sherry, but she's just as much a threat because like she won't be still. She's all over the place, Mm -hmm. you know? So you don't know what she might do because she doesn't seem like a vicious person. But if you're not going to be still, someone, you're going to be seen as a threat, and you got to kind of keep your eyes on that person.
2: Absolutely.
0: Good yeah. stuff. That is the one good thing. I, I just saw her name written down, and otherwise I have nothing positive to say <laughs> about this.
1: The only other positive, quote-unquote, thing I have is uh, at the start of the match, Jesse Ventura makes a comment about how Honky Tonk Man lacks ability, and I'm like, even <laughs> nah. the heel commentator is, like, calling this out.
0: I got uh, the flip of that, the baby face. So Bruce Beefcake messes up Honky Tonk Man's hair, and the girl Monsoon says, "That's not going to hurt you."
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Nobody nobody in the booth even wants to like support either one of these guys. <laughs> and why would they? You know, they have to sit and watch this match like everyone, so they they probably hate it as much as we do. Yeah. God. Uh I don't even like whatever. Like Jimmy Hart's hair gets cut. And there's no finish. They don't even try to do a finish. And it's just stupid. So I don't have anything else to say. It's horrible. Don't watch this.
0: I have uh, Bruce B. out out Lex Luger's Lex Luger because he has a sleeper (laughs) on with the referee knocked out. And he releases it because he thinks he won the match.
1: Yeah, just randomly decides he won. He just stands up and celebrates and then... And then his eyes go creepy and buggy, and then he's, like, cutting people's hair and holding yeah. them on the ground as they're begging. and.
0: Ugh. It's another – Hacksaw is not only a better wrestler than British Beefcake, Hacksaw's gimmick is better than British Beefcake.
1: Absolutely. I feel more strongly every day that I made the right choice about which wrestler to watch in hell, so.
0: He, yeah that's a quite quite a statement especially if 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 you just tuned in this week (laughs) yeah beefcake though has zero interest this is an ic title match at wrestlemania 4 and he has zero interest in wrestling or winning all he wants to do is cut hair and again you said it last week like you (laughs) there's a there's an occupation for that
1: yeah you could just go do that and we would all be happier (laughs) But no, like he wouldn't get off enough if he did that because he's still got that creepy erection face on. And (laughs) oh my God, I just can't with this guy.
0: It is that the fact that the joy of it is that he's in a space where he's not supposed to be doing it. And so you really hit with pervert, the pervert things, you hit the nail on the head because he he gets off on doing it in a space where he's not supposed to without consent of anybody. Like, that's the only thing that he enjoys. He would not want to be a barber. He wants to be out there, and instead of wrestling, just terrorizing people with that ridiculous gimmick. Ugh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> so, I think Honky keeps the belt, and it's a DQ, so that's what we Somehow, got.
1: Um, it's the, I don't even know what he got disqualified for. I do Like I think maybe Jimmy Hart knocked out the referee or something. Yeah. But the, it, it's, it's the worst finish on a night of terrible finishes, so...
0: Yeah, well, now we're going to an iconic moment in the history of uh, WrestleMania. Yeah, here we go. Bob Euchre, Andre the Giant. Oh man, this is this one ends this one ends with that with that image.
1: <laughs> that iconic image of uh, Andre choking uh, Euchre. I love that. It's it's a very good promo. You know, it, it leads up to exactly what we were talking about. He comes in and he says, Yossi paid me to take Hogan out of the tournament," and basically he's totally happy that Hogan will not be the champion, which reinforces everything we ever said, that this was not about Andre wanting to be champion. It was about the disrespect of Hulk Hogan, and it's about uh, giving him a comeuppance for the uh, way that he treated Andre in the past.
0: Of everything I like about doing the show, number one above anything, is when we get a felt sense... And we follow it with no way of knowing that it's going to be true. And it just proves itself like deeply, deeply true. And this one, again, he starts off saying, I am uh, the giant and um, still the only professional wrestler who is undefeated. So what he is again saying is, if you go back to that day where we were friends and you were the champion and I was undefeated and you disrespected me and you didn't you know, allow me to get a title shot. Well, who won the feud? You know, We've been saying, well, nobody won the feud. Well, one of them is still claiming the undefeated, and one of them is clearly not the heavyweight champion. So, again, it's all about here are the consequences. You wanted to say one of us was phony, and you didn't want to respect me. And you didn't want to treat me in an authentic way. Well, you lost, and I won. And so it's still deeply about that.
2: Yep, absolutely.
0: And, again, he, he, he went in knowing he didn't want to be champion. Like His job was to get Hulk Hogan out. He goes on. Bragging and bragging about Hulk Hogan being out of it, and then he tells uh, uh, Euchre, "Don't worry about uh, Vanna White. Hulkamania is over."
1: <laughs> Andre has got his uh, eye on the ball. He knows what's up. He's not yeah. worried about. He's not fussed about Vanna White. So there you go.
0: And you got to give whoever Mr. Baseball is, you got to give him credit to to be in the clutches of Andre and sell it like the way where his head looks like it's going to pop through his hands as a moment.
1: <laughs> you can probably count on um, – you probably – I don't know what I'm trying to say. Bob Euchre's very good. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> like He's in the top tier of celebrities who got involved with wrestling. So Yes.
0: Okay, uh, Miss Van, we're up back to the ring. It's the Islanders and Bobby the Brain Heenan versus the British Bulldogs and Coco Beware.
1: Oh, man, here's another one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can quite put it uh, in my top two, but th- this definitely fills out the top four in terms of just agree. fun matches on the card. Uh, this isn't a non-tournament match that deserves to be on here. Um, so you get Heenan coming out, and his surprise is that he's wearing, like, this thick, heavy padded mm. dog training gear, basically. And uh, Ventura praises the strategy, and you've got to praise the strategy, because here guys basically come out, and they said flat out, we trained a dog to attack this guy. Why the hell wouldn't he protect himself from that? He's just going to go out and get bit by a dog? He's yeah. not called the brain for that.
0: It's so beautiful, because it's a s- smart move, which is like you just said, he's Bobby the Brain Heenan, but also... The heat that it gets, because only in this world does, number one, a heel who is a manager and not even a wrestler choosing to wrestle has to worry about being attacked by a dog, but then is considered to be a heel even more for protecting himself from it. (laughs) Oh, only Heenan could have pulled
1: this off the way he did. You know, as great as the other managers are, I don't see anyone pulling this off the way Heenan did.
0: He pulls it off because... Number one, he comes off partly as a joke, like, oh, Bobby Heenan's going to get shown up. Mm -hmm. And then he does something, and you really don't know, like, has he locked his hands in and he's going to be even more of a joke and they're going to get over on him even more? Or has he really outsmarted them? And the answer is going to be all of the above, but it's, oh, God, the layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of Bobby the Brain Heenan.
1: Nobody walks that line. Like Bobby Heenan, where he can be a threat at any moment or he could be a fool at any moment. And uh, somehow he's both. He doesn't even, like, walk the line between them. He somehow combines them so beautifully.
0: Yeah, the two things came out of this match. Bobby Heenan is the genius that I knew him to be, but it's just another reminder. Mm. And my God, the potential of Coco Beware.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. It's amazing to me that people would look at this match and they would think more about the British Bulldog than about Coco Beware, because this dude was so good. Like, Coco Beware deserves every good thing that we can say about him, because he is really excellent, and he gets no respect for it. He's a punchline that, oh, he's in the... WWE Hall of Fame, and that makes the Hall of Fame worthless. <laughs> Except,
0: As he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame?
1: Fuck yes. Coco Beware is awesome, and I love him, and he did Pile Driver, and everybody liked yeah. him, and he should have done even more than he did, because Coco Beware is awesome.
0: He has so much potential in this era, because he has in-ring skill, you know, whatever, and that's, that's valued only so much. But then he has both charisma and a gimmick. You know, I don't know what else you need in this era, and Owen Hart's going to be the same way. So what I wrote down is, in 94, we're going to get Bret Hart versus Owen Hart feud, and Nine Hart, who was part of Bret Hart's Hart Foundation, is going to come back inside with Owen, and Davey Boy is going to come back inside with Bret. I wish instead that we had just built Coco Beware and Owen, and you had Owen and Coco on one side, and Nine Hart and Bret on the other.
1: Yeah, that would have been great, actually. Man, high energy— uh is a low-key favorite team of mine I I hope we get to talk about them some
0: it would be another chance to see that you know because high energy is better than the heart foundation another on that list and so i would love to see it but coco i just had to shout it out though because like i knew he had in-ring talent i knew he had charisma but he also got him a ridiculous like gimmick that fits the era so he's got everything really and the bulldogs don't and You know, I can't remember who else in this match. All the Islanders who are amazing. And Bobby Heenan. So, good stuff.
1: Yeah, no, the Islanders are also great. They're getting a little overshadowed here. But they do a very good job, as always. Uh, But yes, big love to Bobby Heenan and to Coco Beware. They do have some singles matches eventually. So, maybe I will have to try to uh, dig one of those up. If they can be found on the internet.
0: Um, Did Heenan wrestle on any of the WrestleManias before or after this?
1: Not before he will definitely wrestle at WrestleMania again. I can think of um, at least one time, and uh, yeah. it's not good because he's wrestling the Red Rooster. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing
0: he, he loses his him. Red Rooster.
1: You uh, would be right. Yeah, so he's not undefeated. <laughs> if that's what you want right him
0: to have an undefeated streak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if only. I don't remember if he wrestles at any others. We're gonna have to keep a close eye on that for sure.
0: I was shocked by the pleasantly shocked by the ending of this match.
1: Yes, the Islanders basically throwing Heenan down onto Coco Beware, and he gets the pinfall victory. So undefeated or not, the Brain has a WrestleMania pinfall victory. Something that uh, a lot of people who are legends cannot say. God bless Bobby Heenan for that victory. I love it.
0: Yeah, it's it's beautiful too because as we said. You get both Bobby Heenan's like, he beats these guys in the match, and of course, after the match, they stick the dog on him, so the folks that are into uh, seeing Bobby Heenan be tortured, you know, get their piece too, I guess.
1: I I suppose, yes. Uh, Bobby Heenan flees the scene, and wouldn't you also if there was a dog attacking you, so yeah, I don't know.
0: In another one of the most astonishing moments of the night, after Ted DiBiase gets his bye, Jesse Ventura comes out to pose And I think, aside from Hulk Hogan, has the biggest ovation of the night.
1: Yeah, I don't know why this happened. I don't know why everyone (laughs) was so into it. But, cool, I mean, I love Jesse Ventura, so uh, I guess it just goes to show, um, you know, talent will out, I suppose.
0: It's an unbelievable moment. The reception blew my mind. I guess he's doing Hollywood at the time, but still, it doesn't always uh, lead to that. Uh, It also makes Jesse Ventura even more prone to mention a possible return to the ring so you know
1: (laughs) a wrestlemania cannot pass without him making that uh empty promise but yeah um, yeah i don't know i like to yeah he did some hollywood some movies i honestly like to think it's just because of who he is in wrestling that he got that reaction so i'd like to believe that that's true
0: was he introduced at wrestlemania 3 as well
1: not like this. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Probably in some form, but yeah, not like this. So
0: it was mind blowing. But anyway, you know, maybe somebody also that watched this bag, can can you know give us more on that. Yeah, we got you one can. man gang. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I would just say, yeah, like I don't know if there is more story there. Yeah. it's nice in my mind that they just. Had to kill a little bit at times. So they said, "Hey Jesse, do some poses," and people just liked it because they like Ventura because he does such a great job. So that's how it is in my head. If it's different, somebody can tell me.
0: I think it's bigger than any response Savage gets all night.
1: It probably is. Yeah, it's weird to think about.
0: One Man Gang and Savage is up next. Um, one Man Gang is not not a really good wrestler.
1: <laughs> I, some people uh, stump for him, and I don't really get why. There's a lot of big guys in this era that I think are very underrated. And one man gang is not one of them. Um, although when he becomes a Keem, I think I'll probably have something a little more nice to say about him because uh, he's actually better. I think yeah. at being a little bit silly when he's so yeah. serious as the one man gang, like there's really nothing interesting going on. So, Yeah. He
0: this, this a one man gang. There's, there's no, there's just, Oh God. He, he He wears all black and he doesn't move he just kind of falls down and he moves in a vertical that never changes yeah it's not it's not good he need, he needs something else it's not working, but yeah he here he is in the final three of the tournament, which this is going to your point about if things could have been better done better, one of them would not be one man gang in the final three.
1: I wonder a lot of what makes savage popular, of course, is just like his energy uh as we talked about, his promos are very good, but part of it is he was often out there having the best, the most exciting match, and he never got really any chance to do that on this card. Like, I like the Valentine match a lot, but it was not, like, it's no Steamboat versus Savage, you know? So if Savage does get a chance to go out and really excite the crowd early on, do they pop bigger for him later on? I think they probably do, yeah. So, I don't know.
0: This is the Bret Hart direction. I would not go this way. With Savage and Bret, they it made it's it up a different. 6-1, I don't know, but they are not the same character, and they're not the same wrestler. And so it's another one. Like we, Instead of kicking out, which I kind of praised at the time, but it's just too much of it, like he puts his foot on the rope so he doesn't have the power out all the time. And he's, like, really good cat-like to the top. Like, there's moments where he's being Savage in every match, but it's, like, 30 seconds to a minute. And the rest of it, he's, just, he's either getting beat up or squashed or suppressed and he just never breaks out in any of these.
1: Yeah. I it's just too much uh of that and uh, there's a tendency in some Hogan matches for him also to get beaten up but like it's a totally different vibe than these matches and I don't know it just didn't come off quite right. Not not quite the way I imagine that they were hoping that it would.
0: Yeah, I I read that really DQ they really they did, they definitely did not overdo the savage push. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, another lame finish, and this one really bothered me actually because One Man Gang hits Savage with the cane uh, to be disqualified, and I got to you are one match away
2: yeah.
1: from the World Wrestling Federation <laughs> Championship, and you're just gonna like casually get yourself disqualified? Are you an idiot? Like, does this tournament? Is it even important to anybody except Savage and DiBiase? Did anyone care coming in about this yeah. tournament? So, yeah, it's a little it's a little obnoxious, actually.
0: Yeah, a, in the form I said, I had a dream that they were having the tournament, but they all were given, like, one week of superstars where they got to, like, have the belt outside of it, do the responsibilities of the champion, and it was a way to eliminate people from the tournament who should not be in it because they got, like, overwhelmed by the schedule and holding the belt, and they ended up dropping taking themselves out of the tournament and i feel like that's what one man gang did he realized there's like a final three and he shouldn't be in it so he got himself out of there
1: <laughs> <sighs> I, I don't get it i don't get it and why did it have to be one man gang like imagine if it were bundy in this spot yeah he would have done oh, times better like are you kidding me
0: it's also <laughs> not it's, it's savage overcoming hogan's wrestlemania 2 opponent as well so yeah that's nice
1: it just it would have been better yeah
0: Oh, oh man. Jean Arklin and Vanna White, she must go to the ring so she excuses herself and then we get a uh, Jean Erklin definitely um, takes advantage of her leaving with his pervy self. And then uh, Bob Euchre is in the back and he barely misses her, so they will finally see each other a little way a little ways from now. I think that, if I'm not mistaken, takes us into the tag title match.
1: Yes, and God bless because here definitely is the other contender for best match of the night up with uh, Steamboat and Valentine. Um, oh man, I was very excited about this, and to me it uh, lived up to just about all I could do. Probably could have even done a little bit more um, than they did with uh, I don't know a little more time or a little bit of a different structure or what, but man, strike force, I talked about, is one of my absolute favorite acts of this era, and we haven't gotten to talk about it much. But Demolition, man, Demolition is great. I love Demolition. I'm very excited to uh, have a lot more Demolition stuff to talk about.
0: This matchup, for the time that it has and what it needs to do, is damn near perfect for what it needs to be. Agreed. You got two things. You got the brawling power of Demolition, and then when Strike, even when Strike Force is dominating. It's like they're holding them at bay, making sure that they it's not they're not doing offense to demolition. They're just winning by keeping demolition from doing offense to them. Mm, yeah. And that that's when you know who's gonna win the match.
1: <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You know, it's interesting. I talked about Valentine and Steamboat being um fire and earth, and this is actually probably the same dynamic, so I don't know if that's just like a naturally great dynamic or it's just a coincidence mm. or what. But strike force. Like they couldn't be more fired up, particularly Rick Martell, who friggin' personifies fire in all his babyface appearances, and yet demolition could not be more like set in the earth, methodical. Like the double the, the double axe handle barrages they do is literally like an avalanche of earth falling down on you. So it's it's great. It's a great match.
0: That is top shelf analysis because the lazy idea would be, hey, water would be like the thing that would stop fire but water is not like a soaking water is you can move and change and, and go with the tide so that has nothing to do with these easy comparisons but what it is i do believe now that you say it is that what is the only thing that can stop fire really is to slow it down suppress it and make it be still and what's going to do that is the earth element yep. so the earth element is the um is the achilles heel for fire
1: Absolutely, yeah. So it's just a great dynamic. Uh, uh, I, what you said, yeah, for, for the time they got and for what they were allowed to do, I don't think they could have done better here. This probably is the best match of the night, a little bit above uh, Valentine and Steamboats. Um, and it's a big credit to everybody involved. Strike uh, Strikeforce, unfortunately, I think is going to go away not too long after this because Rick Martell took some time off. His wife was sick. I believe, and uh, that's going to be a loss for all of us, because when he comes back, it's going to be a short trip to the model, but man, babyface Rick Martel has been just about one of the best things in this series, and uh, I love the guy, and I will always uh, speak positively of him.
0: Yeah, no exaggeration there. That's It is fire. It's, he's fire on fire as a babyface.
1: <laughs> yes! Absolutely, yes. Oh my gosh
0: i mean, i'm gonna miss that i got a lot to say but that kind of that that hit me and it knocked me sideways that we're about to lose him in this way it's
1: it's a damn shame um eventually uh the last strike for they do come back for a while their last match is against the Brainbusters at wrestlemania uh, five or six i can't remember so oh, at man. least yeah, we're gonna get that great match so hold on for that one But, uh, yeah, we don't have a lot of babyface Martel left, and it's a damn shame. And someday we'll do AWA, the Legacy Series, and we'll talk about him uh, a lot more. Mm -hmm. God willing, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, I miss, too. Like, I'm not against promotions like evolving and all these companies having their own style. Do whatever you want to do if it works with the fans. But there's something nice about the simplicity and authenticity of the era where they will do a hip toss. Um, against demolition and Jesse Ventura and Gorilla Monsoon will talk about the show of power that they're able to hip toss one of demolition.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's some great uh, simplistic strategy talk in this because they also talk about like uh, Rick Martel beat Jim Neidhart with the Boston Crab, but we don't know if he can apply the Boston Crab to demolition because mm. they're so powerful and they're big and well, you that. know it, it's great. I love talk like that.
0: Yeah, because it makes you want, like, now that you're saying that, I don't see the legs bending right for that. Right, like,
1: they would just straighten their legs out, like, surely they could do that.
0: Oh, man, another thing I wrote down is, I don't care if they would be with him or against him, I would have loved to see Demolition with Steve Austin in the Attitude Era.
1: Oh, man, absolutely. Demolition uh, is one of the most underrated, most sadly, unfairly forgotten acts of their time, and I think it is because... One, if not both, guys have uh, issues with Vince McMahon. So mm. that's the penalty that so you don't get to be in history anymore. But yeah, Demolition, this is a team that could have ruled in every in any era, literally in any era, you could slot these guys in and they would be doing great things.
0: I have this as well as my favorite match on the show.
1: Yeah, I, I really think it is. If, if people say there's no great match at WrestleMania 4, I say, what about Demolition versus Strike Force? Yeah. huh. huh? It's, what about that?
0: <laughs> nice. It's a great tag team matchup. I don't know what else you want. And it's power versus speed. It's baby face versus heel. And it's credibility versus credibility. Like I see Demolition on the rise, and I think they're gonna win. But you don't tell me Strike Force is losing the belts until they lose the belts. Yeah,
1: I think the only thing you could have done is given them a little bit more time because I do yes. think they could have made it even better with that. But yeah, beyond that, I don't know what more you could ask for from a match like this.
0: Yeah, so we got the cane used, um, and we're gonna get demolition going over and becoming the new WWF Tag Team Champions.
1: Yeah, and the end of this was so friggin' dramatic too, because Martel's got uh, smashed, I think, in the Boston Crab, and Tito comes like flying in to <laughs> clobber Axe, and then he's fighting Fuji, and Tito's like this friggin' whirlwind of fire fighting everybody but he gets caught up with Fuji just a little too long and the ref is in there and then uh yeah you get the cane and you get the finish and uh, it's just it's great one thing I'm looking forward to I hope we can find some of this it doesn't get the payoff it should but when Rick Martel and Tito Santana feud after Strike Force breaks up man I, there's something there that I really would like to see more of
0: i bet <laughs> why wouldn't you <laughs>
1: <laughs> indeed yeah two of my favorite guys so there you go but yeah we got new tag team champions and they're gonna hold on to those belts for a real long time i think
0: good i'm looking forward to seeing what they do because they have such a unique style and, and it's, they're bringing something that does not exist in this era of wwf tag teams at this time
1: absolutely i think they're very unfairly uh written off as a road warriors no. knockoff and uh like they got face pain and they're power wrestlers, but like, I don't think it really goes much farther than that. Cause like in the ring, they're different. They're great in their own unique way. Um, I don't know. It's a little hard to articulate, but where the road warriors, who I also love, um, they have all this crazy offense and then demolition. They're just like, they just bludgeon you very simply. Like they're not doing crazy power spots or anything. They're just like beating the living crap out of you. Like, just like I said before, they do the the repeated double axe handles. That alone looks like it would just grind you down into dust. So there's something unique about them. There's something great about them, and we're going to have a lot to say as we go on.
0: Yeah, I don't see the teams being alike, and I would also say, I don't know if this stands up or not, but I wonder how many people are just a complete knockoff of someone else, and they get over and stay over. Like, who are those people?
1: <laughs> yeah, fair enough.
0: Like. I don't want to talk about him because, like, it's not his fault. It's a stupid gimmick. But, like, you know, it's re- like there's a difference between Renegade Warrior being the ultimate warrior and then all these other things that are a knockoff because it has a similarity in it.
1: Right, yeah. Like, it's a good point. There's, there's blatant knockoffs, and then there's people where, like, it's like, <sighs> I just saw a thing about this. I think it's a very good point. I saw something saying, like, who is the next Eddie Guerrero? And I'm like... Yeah fucking let people be who they are yeah. like, nobody is the next anything everybody is just who they are for god's sake let it go
0: what a nice way of thinking
1: yeah for
2: sure and that's what I,
0: I can't that's why i can't deal i can't deal with anybody or anything because that's the way we talk about these people like who's the next this and sure as fuck if they got over then we would critique oh, just the eddie guerrero knockoff they're just doing the same thing eddie guerrero did yeah I'm- you know, there's no same thing with like, oh, this person is amazing and should be a world champion because he's not being pushed. Oh, my God, he's a world champion. We need to push this other person's way down here. What are we doing with this person? You know, endless, 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 never ending, never ending, never satisfied, never happy, never joyful. I can't, I can't with it.
1: <laughs> For sure. Yeah. If, if you want to see something then great there are all things that we would like to see and there's no problem thinking about that and asking for that but for god's sake if you find that you are never satisfied then maybe you need to turn around and look and see oh wait maybe the problem is not all this other stuff maybe it's the fact that i have like weird messed up expectations about what is gonna satisfy me
0: all of us have to do self-work at times and i know i do like i there have been times i've been pissed off as a wrestling fan and the answer was and like like you said, sometimes it's that you know there's a lot to be pissed off about. But some, there have been times that I've like either I'm just not a wrestling fan right now or I'm not happy as a person right now yeah. and you know, I'm just not enjoying it. You know, so you know, I don't critique outward, but you know, give you know critique inward and outward if you want to do that and I'll be a lot happier with you. Exactly.
1: Look both ways is all
2: I'm yes. asking
0: Look both ways. <laughs> I gotta write that down. Hold on. Look both ways. Alright. So Robin Leach has the job of carrying this bell on a pillow or on whatever it's on between like greedy hands on both (laughs) sides of the crowd. So props to him for that. All of them are happy and engaged. Bob Uecker comes out. Vanna White comes out. Vanna White now, you know, she's with this guy. She gives him a kiss on the cheek. And so he gets his moment. And I don't think she knows who he is still. But you know what? He played the fool the whole night. So good for him. And girl, Monsoon rubs it into Jesse Ventura. And we have all of our celebrity stuff done at that point. And we've only got one more thing left in this show. is the culmination of a one-night tournament. It is Ted DiBiase going one-on-one with the macho man, Randy Savage.
1: Indeed. Savage and Liz now in white. And I was just sitting there thinking, man, imagine you brought four sets of gear, Mm. believing that hard that you would make the final. And if you went out before the final... You would have to go back and you'd have to look at that gear you never got to wear. And it would probably break your soul a little bit. But you bet on yourself, Randy Savage. And now here you are wearing the fourth set. You're one step away from the championship. There's there's something cool about that.
0: Yes, it's, uh, it's amazing for that reason. It's amazing, I think, too, in that. All Hulk Hogan has to do is be Hulkamania. Whatever he created, it works. Just wear your outfit and be your thing. Macho Man has to be a hundred things to be Hulk Hogan's one. So you're going to wear your one red and yellow. I'm going to wear four outfits in the night. Yeah. So Savage doing so much. And, you know, he hasn't fully come into his own. I am excited. I'm more excited in a way that this did not go over it as big as I remembered because now I'm excited to see what does this year look like with Randy Savage as world champion. So.
1: Absolutely. Hulk Hogan, um, we struggled probably with him more than anyone to define what element he is. At times he presents as fire, but he shows aspects of pretty much every area. Yeah. And Definitely one piece of earth in his makeup is the fact that he can just be who he is and he is not really asked to change yeah. in any way. Whereas Randy Savage, he built something so different for himself. Where he is, um, he is fire, and yet he is also so fluid, and he is ever changing his appearance. He is ever changing his presentation. Um, so it's just the fascinating layers of these people as they move through the elements. And I don't know if that is space or if we just have a bunch of friggin' avatars in here. I don't even know <laughs> what to say. So
0: I agreed. As that great philosopher Kanye West says, uh, the people highest up have the lowest self esteem. And <laughs> Randy Savage is the picture of the most confident, insecure man or the most insecure, confident man that has ever existed. Yeah. And so I look at the outfits, the four outfits, as both this is my confidence and my pageantry, and this is me insecure thinking that I'm not enough to be world champion.
1: Yeah. Savage was definitely always a man uh, hanging in space, uh, south of Mars and north of hell, suspended oh, in a, a, an insecure place that uh, does not allow you to rest easy, that's for sure.
0: I need a separate page for Miz Van Quotes today. <laughs> Randy Savage hanging in space, that is worth holding on to. Oh man, It's weird because he's not a transitional champion. He is a year-long champion in one of the most prestigious eras. But is he not also hanging in hanging in space all, all year long? Yeah. Man, we got ourselves a year coming. Up. I don't know what <laughs> the take <laughs> is going to be on all of that. But we got ourselves a year coming.
1: There's a there's a lot to it, you know. The narrative definitely shifts, like WrestleMania four, Savage wins WrestleMania five, Hogan beats Savage. You know, and it's like what's in between. <laughs> is not really part of the conversation, you know, little bits and pieces of the mega powers exploding, but uh, there's a lot that goes unexamined. And I think we're going to get into a lot of interesting stuff.
0: Absolutely. That's our job right there. And that's exciting to think because you don't hear much about that. You hear it is a great angle and it lasts a year. And, you know, it's also, here's something else I thought about uh, that makes this era so great versus maybe what's to come. So we got three years, we got WrestleMania three, four and five. Mm-hmm. So out of that, We have Hogan Andre, and then at four, we have Hogan Andre, and I'm going to say Hogan Savage because we kind of got that at the same time. WrestleMania Five, we got Hogan Savage. So you're looking at Hogan Andre continuing uh, into the next year, and you're looking at Hogan Savage beginning and carrying on the next year. So think about that three-year set versus Hogan Warrior, Hogan Slaughter, Hogan Sid, All of those are so isolated and separate and without great kind of just history and story. So it's interesting, the moment we're in right now, and just how good it is.
1: I'm curious, too, to see, because you put Hogan and Warrior in that later category. And my first instinct was actually to connect it more with what came before it. I don't know if that's just like my felt sense talking or if there's something more behind that. But it definitely sits in between those periods. And nobody could say Hogan Slaughter is going to be in that conversation. So, like, there's a there's a dividing line somewhere, so I want to find out where it is.
0: Yeah, prestige-wise, I definitely have Hogan Warrior with the Hogan Savage, Hogan Andre, so I agree with you on that. Mm. I was just thinking more in the way that stories develop over time and carry on. Sure. Versus, like, we'll never get the Hogan Warrior thing again, you know, we'll go straight to Hogan Slaughter, which, you know, it has to do... I guess it's connected in there, Slaughter Beats the Warrior, but that's a very loose connection, and then Hogan Sid, right. which Sid was a manager, and a, you know, so it's not the same, <laughs> but... But, yeah, I, I would also... I want to think about is Hogan Warrior full own part of this era? Because it definitely is. It sells out, and it's huge, so it belongs with the era we're in. Mm. But how much of it is also the unraveling, because it's the last time it happens, so does it get any of the blame and what comes out of it, because... We're never, we're never coming back to that and after that's over.
1: Yeah. <sighs> Interesting to think about. Well, well, we'll talk about it more as we go. We do have this match to finish, and uh, I'm not sure how we're doing on time, so let's not dilly-dallying. Um, okay. Savage and DBS-y, uh with Andre out there, with Liz out there, Andre very quickly making his presence known. And this is where we hear, we hear chants for Hogan. We see fans standing up, looking at the entryway, yeah. not looking at the match. You, you can't escape the shadow of Hulk Hogan in this time and place. You just can't do it.
0: Yeah, we are not doing our job if we don't acknowledge that, because there, there's one thing when, when Savage whispers to Liz and they start chanting Hogan. That's still kind of a big deal, but it's now they're within the story that they're trying to create. Mm-hmm. But they're chanting Hogan from the beginning, and the match is going on. They're all standing watching the curtain. Like that, you you, you can't ignore that.
1: Nope, that speaks volumes as much as we love, love, love uh, the great things that Randy Savage can do. You can't, you just cannot look past Hulk Hogan in this time. And we've talked before about how it's hard to even, in an era where Hulk Hogan is sort of like a punchline and sort of the narrative is, uh, for a lot of people, like, well, he wasn't very good. Um, Just the way this man ruled the world, like the wrestling world, it's unfathomable, bleh, unfathomable now in an era where we don't really have stars and anything approaching this way in wrestling. Uh, I say that as a guy who likes a lot of wrestling, currently a lot, but it's just not the same. Like There's no, there's no Hulk Hogan now, um, for better and for worse, but man, you would not get some reaction like this now.
0: Yeah, yeah. we want to talk to our prof because... I am thinking, like, there's something... He basically took Christianity, the tenets of how it was viewed at the time, stripped it, and created Hulkamania. And there's just something about that. Whereas, like, Lex Luger, if Lex Luger was in this era and was like his 93, he would be like, I'm a Christian, I serve the Lord now, and (laughs) I want to dedicate this match to the Lord. You know, that would be... That's the the idea of what he did in 93 with the flag. Mm -hmm. But Hulk Hogan... Took everything that that fan base likely believed in to a majority and co opted it. But he created his own colors. He created his own feel. He created his own history. And so it just. It's hard to go from Hulk Hogan to Randy Savage because you're not just going from babyface to babyface. You're kind of like, you know, leave, a, becoming an apostate if you don't watch it.
1: <laughs> Hogan had. Um rituals and ceremonies and catechisms and freaking everything that you would want from a church so yeah hulk hogan more than just being a star yeah it feels like uh we've said cult but like religion flat out at times is hulkamania at least in the way it's presented
0: and you think look at what tried to come after him you had to be macho madness you had to be the spirit and the power of the lawyers and so you had to be otherworldly But again, that maybe religion is the right word because they had the supernatural or the spiritual, but they didn't have a religious home. Hulk Hogan is pastor of the Hulkamaniacs. It's a home based church. Mm -hmm. The the warrior and savage are more come have a spiritual experience with me or around me, but you're not of me. And, and, you know, when you're giving someone something that they are of, you know, everything else, even as extreme as it's going to be, is just not the same thing
1: for all of the great things about Randy Savage, for all of the things other people like about Ultimate Warrior, that I don't, but uh, they exist, Look. they were living in the house of Hogan, in the church of Hogan, yeah. in the place that he built. And this is why, uh, you know, there's been some history rewriting, in my opinion, that Steve Austin, well, you know, he was like there are people ahead of Steve Austin in his own era. And it's not true, and it's not true for Hogan either, because it's always the guy who built the house, who is going to be the master yeah. of the house, the Austin and Hogan stand alone, basically in that they took something that was very low and they built it up to something extremely high and they did it almost by themselves. Like not to say that there weren't a lot of other really big contributions, but without yeah. that key player, without that, you know, head of the church, if you want to look at it that way, it just, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. No, my blood pressure shot up just hearing the suggestion (laughs) that that that's the other way around because i even know from work that i do like you know teaching and even doing this stuff like what we do as colonists and fans like you're building on so many theories and so many things that have been said all along Mm. and again it's not to say that hogan and savage or hogan and austin didn't because everything comes out of something but i don't know if there's anything more difficult in the world than being the one who sets the thing going that did not yet exist like, go out, go out and do it. Like, it is easy. Like, who, because every one of us would want to reap the benefit of it. But I promise you, like, I know how to build on something. I know how to live within something. But God, to create the thing from scratch, to build a house on wheels that moves like that, like, it doesn't make any sense. You cannot, you just look petty. Just say, I don't like the person or here are some bad things about them. And that's all fair and good. But don't try to take away what cannot be taken away. And that's, for either one of them because even the rock is for how great the rock of course in hollywood exceeds austin but like the warrior savage rock are like evangelists coming to the church of hogan or the church of austin to preach a sermon within that house but they're not they're not the pastor of the church
1: right
0: okay we, we <laughs> this has been an interesting show <laughs>
1: <laughs> we knew it would be we never know exactly where it's all gonna go so um, so as you said, uh, eventually Savage um, whispers to Liz. Liz goes back, and uh, even the commentators are savvy at this point. They're like, "Well, we've seen Liz go before. We think we know what's going to happen." And uh, yeah. yes, indeed, Hulk Hogan comes down, and uh, the 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 sides are evened. The tables are turned. Now Savage has someone who can actually help him in his corner. No offense to Liz.
0: Yeah it's even now and it's the first time you think savage has a chance even if you know savage is going to win he's not going to win how the match is first constructed
1: mm, yeah absolutely and but even up to this point it's it's a very good match um it's not a i don't know if i can call it a great match because a lot of uh, stuff kind of tacked onto it yeah. and we've talked that savage just didn't maybe wasn't as hot as he could have been but there's some really great stuff in here like uh Andre tripping Savage. There's a great moment where he trips Savage. Savage goes down. Ted like tries to elbow him immediately, and Savage, in this ridiculously fluid motion, like spins away from it, and he's back up. And you see a bit of that Savage energy because with that movement, uh, is so fluid and so fiery, and he's constantly moving. He's like pointing at Andre, and um, there's energy to that that I do appreciate. So you can't say that it's not there. <laughs>
0: It is, and there's a moment. Like, Savage knocks Diviase to the floor, but it's the floor where Andre is, and Savage goes up top to jump off the top right into the double axe handle, and you really get the impression he didn't even realize that was the side Andre was on until he was already up top.
1: Yeah, and how could he? Like, you're in a world title match. You gotta put all your focus on the guy across the ring from you. You can't be thinking about the guy on the outside, and yet, yeah, Andre's standing there like a human wall, like the living Mm. planet that he is. And it's like he wants Savage to jump down because Andre, like he'll just bounce off of Andre, you know. Yeah, there are some Savage Andre title matches in 1988, and I hope I can find one of those. Actually, might even be on a Saturday Night's main event, but uh, those are very interesting. We get a little hint of that there because Savage, we know, is smaller a lot than Hulk Hogan, and him and Andre, like the mismatch in size, is very apparent.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes. It's also, Andre looked worried on the outside of the ring that Ted DiBiase is going to lose it at some point. And I thought about, I don't know what it means, but this is a man who was in a feud with Hulk Hogan in Hulk Hogan's prime and never looked worried for a single second. And yet he's on the outside managing Ted DiBiase and he looks worried.
1: (laughs) It goes back to Andre being uh, this beautiful team player who's not really just out for himself, you know. His worry is always uh, for others, I think, and not for himself because what could hurt Andre? You know, he's not worried about that.
0: It's amazing to think that Andre's drive might be relational. And, you know, we've always talked about, like, a Hogan being let down by the guy who was his mentor. But what if Andre really saw, like, I never found someone who cared so much about others. And here's this guy, Hulk Hogan, who builds his whole frame on a relational thing with the Hulkamaniacs. And so, even though he has the decency not to go out there and call Hogan a fraud like Hogan does him, like, it could be that he thought he found his relational successor, and he found out that to him it was nothing but a sham. Mm,
1: Yeah. Yep, that relationship uh, did not mean as much as it should. Uh, uh, Yeah, it's interesting to think about.
0: Yeah, so this one, we're talking about all the forces. And for all the things that we can say they did better, we know what kind of year it's been. The way we talk about Andre on the floor is a force... Hogan on the other side is a force. Mm-hmm. Randy Savage is a force. Ted DiBiase is a force. Like, what they've done with these four men is impressive.
1: Absolutely so. I mean, these four were definitely at the, the front of this tournament all along. So I guess it's appropriate that they are all here together at the end to uh, kind of play the final act of this story or of this part of the story.
0: And DiBiase has the million-dollar dream. And Hogan just comes in and uses the chair. Is that correct?
1: Uh, yep, that is correct. It, it seems like Savage uh, is going to go out. DiBiase is going to win. Just a little bit of help from Andre. Then while the referee is distracted, Hogan goes in and just blatantly just wallops DiBiase with the chair. Um, Ventura calls it horrible. And if you think about all the effort that they put into this tournament about how much time this took and about how it was to, like, get over this controversy with the two refs and everything, and then the end of this match is Hogan just runs in and attacks one guy and basically decides the outcome. It is a little horrible. Like, I was a little... I'd seen this match before. It's what I'd seen before. I felt the way then, and I felt this way now. It's um, it's not very respectful to the tournament, that it ends like this yeah. is not very respectful to Savage either. It's a little bit unsatisfying.
0: I won't. Just, hit, 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 I knew this moment was going to come, and I won't. I won't say yes and no to this. Okay. I want to say absolutely yes. Yeah. Like factually speaking, there is, there is no way to argue that, and I think it's yes, yes, yes. The only thing that I think I like about it, and this is probably giving them too much credit, but I wrote down that it matters in some way that even on his biggest night, the tournament the four outfits, Randy Savage does not eclipse Hulk Hogan, his shadow or his response. Because unless you want to look at the next year as Hulk Hogan is pure good and Savage is pure evil and jealousy, and I'm not going to do that. And the era so far has not done that. Then there is a seed planted in all of this. If you're Randy Savage, this is simply never going to be you. You are simply standing there because Hulk Hogan is going to Hollywood. And, You can enjoy it all you want to, but you have not, like, cemented yourself. The minute Hulk Hogan... I thought Hogan was going to hit him with the chair after the match for a second. He comes wildly in the ring with the chair, and it's just... Like, Savage does not get out of Hogan's shadow even on the biggest night of his career.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, for sure.
0: It just gives me sympathy to Savage, I think, in some way.
1: I suppose, but I'm... I I I respect the point you're making, but two things. One, I don't know if it was worth um,
2: yeah.
1: sort of like turning the tournament around and saying, well, kind of why did we even do this, you know, That's in the fair. first place. And also, I feel like a little too much, I don't know if this, this is probably not intentional, a little too much of it came from Savage himself. and just talking about not having that same fire tonight. Yeah. And maybe it was the way they booked him and the way that uh, they set up the matches or what. But if you just looked at this show... Not anything that came before it, you'd probably be like, yeah, it should have probably been Hulk Hogan, you yeah. know, honestly. So, uh, as much as we like Randy Savage, uh, you have to look at that.
0: And, I know. don't think it's just the booking either. And this is why, though, I think even in the actual life, they love and hate each other because, you know, a lot of what we're going to get is going to be hard to parse what is like the gimmick and what is the people behind the gimmicks. Mm. You know, it feels like Savage went, like, took his foot off the gas a little bit, like in the very moment where the spotlight was the brightest.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if there are any shoot interviews about that, or even if that's part of the narrative, because I've never heard anybody talk about it. Actually, to be yeah. honest, um, there's, it's so weird with Savage, and we already talked about this a bit. The, the narrative is that you know he's this all time great, and he kind of was the whole time up until you know like very late WCW, and then he was bad, and we all know that. Um, but to me, I really want to hit this home. I don't think there ever was a Randy Savage the same way he was in uh, 85, 86, 87. Um, Just the way he was then. I don't know if, I don't know if we get that back and maybe we do. I'd be very happy to be wrong about that, but it's almost like, yeah, when he finally got to this point, he just never quite was exactly what he was before. It's it's hard to articulate because I cannot speak against some of the really great stuff that he's going to do after this point. Some of his career best stuff, absolutely. But there's just something about the Savage we've seen before this. Like to me, that is the the peak of Randy Savage. Does that make yeah, any it, sense? no it
0: makes okay. a lot of sense. Yeah, because uh, I do think we're going to see some of his career best after this, but. You're talking about consistently and authentically, and I'm talking you know about just, just
1: the feel of him, you know. Yeah. So.
0: But this is also, this is going one of the strain, This is the, this is what this show is that we do, though. This is this seems like it's gonna be a certain night that we were gonna have in a long time, and it's the least certain, and we're allowing it to be because I don't think there's anything more difficult in a way than being the guy in that in the role that he is now in that Hulk Hogan was in, right? Because. And again, the genius of Hulk Hogan to just be so, um, be such a rule breaker as that role because part of what it feels like he's already solidifying him into I am now, I am now product. I am now, you know, this is what Macho Man is and does. Like he's becoming a solidified thing. Like can't be too dangerous. Can't be all over the place. You got to be a certain way. You're a babyface world champion. Right. You know. So that's. You give up some of your freedom, you know, to take on that bigger role. And that's why guys like Bret Hart are so good because, the, you know, Bret Hart, just tell him the way, you know, and he's loyal to the company and stuff. But a wild card like Savage, I think he might lose something at the top that, you know, he might not have at other times.
1: It's interesting always to think about, and this is probably not always true, but it's true a lot, that guys are often at their best before they reach uh. their biggest level of success. You know, Steve Mm. Austin, 1997, probably his best year ever, I would think. Um, Hulk Hogan, we've talked about how much more compelling he is before WrestleMania three, you know, and all that stuff. I guess it's just like, you see it in movies, like, a lot of times the sequel will have a better box office, but it's worse, you know. But it's built on the good thing that came before. Um, So, I don't know, it's just an interesting uh, fact of life, I guess, that we all have to live with. Mm.
0: Especially for babyface, this is one time. It's right in the first time in the history of our shows that I talk about how it's more difficult to be a babyface because sure. this is happily ever after. Like this is when the movie ends and the credit rolls and you go home because, like the couple that gets together and you fall in love with their story, you're probably gonna be disappointed if you have to watch them live together. You know, over <laughs> the next year. Yeah. But babyface champions don't get to do that. They got to be champion all year long. Like you have the height, the emotional high, the story high of becoming a champion. And then you got to wake up the next day with them.
1: Yeah. And that's something like it, it is hard to pull off. And it's something that, again, Hogan and Austin could actually do. And few others uh, really seem to be able to ever do it on that level. Um, you know, they could be champion for a while. Um, and even Austin, like, would often lose the belt. He would often yeah. have to chase it again. So it's not even far, fully on his side. But uh, if you can yeah. actually survive in that aspect of your character's journey, then that, that says a lot.
0: You have to keep doing something that surprises people. Mm. Like, like Austin would behave in ways that at the time it's like, oh, my God. Like, I could not believe when he was still beating up, like, girl, uh, girl Monsoon or Jim Ross or somebody. Like, like and I didn't even like that he was doing it, but I found him more compelling. And ho- it's the same, this is what I've been trying to say all night, because – When I read, I wrote five five promo um, on that Hogan promo when I watched it with my girlfriend. And when I tried to read it off the page, like I couldn't even get through the reading of it because it just like what is there to say? Like I couldn't even find anything in it. But again, it was Hulk Hogan he behaving. He's behaving out of sorts. Like to condemn the Hulkamaniacs to the (laughs) to the bottom of the floor is not something you expect. And it's just the day that you become. This is poor John Cena, but the day that you become the predictable baby face is the day that they are going to hate you
1: yeah yeah and that yeah. speaks again to what we were talking about before like sometimes when you say oh this guy's underrated he should be champion um and then you turn against him later sometimes maybe that's your problem but to the other side maybe it's sometimes because yeah. they have changed what they are that's in problem. that process and you don't like that anymore so there's some yeah. validity on that side as well
0: that's a good point because i always think about I stopped liking Michaels for a spell. And I always say it's because of the big WWF push. But it's also because, just like he is in real life, which I do not like that side, but the character, Shawn Michaels, is also kind of a dick all the time, whether he was a heel or a face. And then he becomes this this kind of weird, like, oh, I'm poster boy now. And, you know, I'm Bret Hart II. And it's it's just like this this is not authentic. And, again, the word authenticity keeps ringing through here. And so – if I saw you coming up, I saw you good in the bad and the ugly. Becoming world champion does not round that out. It doesn't make you a different human being. Right. So it makes me feel like you're lying to me and you're not who you used to be.
1: Yeah. I think that happens all too often. People see somebody who is so good, who speaks to them and they're like, I want to see this guy at the top. And, you know, maybe once in a while they'll actually listen, and say, okay, this guy can go to the top. But, we have to change these things about him, you know, yeah. and then and then it's not the same anymore. So I don't know. There is there's some feeling on that side that I can recognize. You know, I do get that. And it's not it's not always just people being fickle.
0: No, I like you. That opened my eyes in a way that I had not seen or thought about. So I'm, I'm appreciative of that. Uh, that's a deep conversation. So that's a, I hope this is all well that we will visit uh, as, as the series goes on.
1: I think it will for sure. I mean, we're going to have to keep talking about Savage being different in 88 than he was in 87, you know, because like the Savage, (laughs) the Savage who sat in the back watching that TV as uh, Steamboat wrestled Hercules Mm. and like the gas puddle was going through the floor and he wasn't even wrestling like he was exploding all over that room without even getting out of his chair. And then now yeah in this tournament like he's he's doing all this stuff and it's a, it's a different feeling so why yeah. is that how much does that continue there's going to be a lot that we have to talk about uh, as this goes on
0: i think that's that okay so he's that conflicted in that moment yet here he's just super upset that hulk hogan got cheated you know number one you really care that deeply about hulk hogan and number two you're not happy like you don't have to say this part but you're not happy that hogan and andre are out of the tournament so There's nothing authentic about the way he kicks off his promo, and when you think about Randy Savage, like, at his best, you might not be able to understand what he's saying, but you damn sure know it's authentic.
1: Yeah. It's interesting, too, and again, I don't know if there are shoot interviews about this. Maybe my questions can be answered, um, if I would just look for it. I never look for shoot interviews, so that's probably my fault, um, but, uh... Is it just a case, like, are there nerves involved here? Because we talked about how Randy Savage could be very insecure at times. We've talked about um, Ric Flair in WCW, the Legacy Series, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, terribly insecure about himself at times. It's one thing to be, like, the top supporting player, and it's another thing to have, like, the whole thing land on your shoulders. So thinking about it in that way... You know, Mm. uh, it's just it's a very different thing to approach. And even a guy like Randy Savage, I think, could be buckled a little under something like that. And It's not to say even that he did a bad job. I think we both said he did a very good job, but it's just not quite the same. And maybe that's because his role was just not the same.
0: I love I love that analysis because I think for two reasons. Number one, as fans, I think, you know, there are things that we can... You don't have to be a wrestler to understand things sometimes, but there. Are, I think there are things we miss, and sometimes it's the human things about. Like, you might be nervous about the fact that you're undertaking a role that you probably can't succeed in, and nobody else can either. And, you know, how long are they going to give me? What's it going to look like? But then the second thing is, Savage, it seems like it sometimes rightfully hates Hulk Hogan for the worst of what Hulk Hogan can be. Yeah. And yet, he follows Hulk Hogan everywhere and stays in his shadow in a way that... Like, I feel like there is always this duality with Savage of wanting to break out and just burn bright mm. and wanting to stay underneath the the wing and not having to be the number one guy.
1: Yeah, even putting the fans aside, look at Hulk Hogan's career and just, like, the cult of wrestlers who, like, followed him and stayed in his favor um, and, uh, and ruined WCW, and that's another story. But uh, <laughs> still, like... I've talked about it before and I'm going to keep hitting it. This is a guy who we, we talked about him in terms of like religion and he, in wrestling, like he's bigger than God. Like he came in and he did things that probably people would have said were impossible and he changed everything. And then you go to like Randy Savage and be like, OK, well, now you're going to be in his role.
2: Mm.
1: Fucking what? <laughs> you know, Like, how do you deal yeah. with that? How do you follow Hulk Hogan? um you know maybe you yeah you can't do it can you do it no nobody did nobody ever did i don't think so
0: especially when you care and you're aware yeah and so randy savage might outdo the ultimate warrior who comes next in this role but i feel like randy savage is going to suffer in the role whereas the warrior is going to be oblivious to the fact that you fucking lost the belt or wear a rumble and this is a failure compared to what they would have wanted you to do but you're gonna be the last one to know it because you got paid and you don't know anything about the business warrior so, the
1: least insecure man in the world yeah. probably and so much worse because of it just a so man who never seemed to question anything about <laughs> himself even as he talked about horrible things and gave horrible performances so yeah so yeah it's more painful but it's much better for you as a human to be insecure yeah. so
0: yeah. yeah okay i want to say one more thing because i don't have no idea what we're doing time but <laughs> it, it
1: should all fit but let's wrap up shortly <laughs>
0: Okay, There's a beautiful parallel somewhere in this Between Liz and the Hulkamaniacs Because oh, I feel like on this night and I don't know how it will change over the years But Liz is not Liz does not love Hulk Hogan And she's not passionate about Hulk Hogan She likes Hulk Hogan and she appreciates Him being there yeah. And I feel like the Hulkamaniacs at this moment Do not love Randy Savage They're not passionate about him They like him and they're appreciative of him being there
1: you know, I was thinking before like Liz is the Savage, as the Hulkamaniacs are to Hogan. Yes. Um, so I think that's very apt. I don't know, they've all got to get uh, used to each other a little bit more. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing because we got four words which point us there that they are gross and they are prophetic because it's the next year. Girl Monsoon says of Liz, Hogan, and Savage, what a threesome, Jess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, I don't know if we can top what we've talked about. So, anything else that you want to go over?
0: No, man, I'm right, done.
1: That's it. We're done. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please check out the other programs on LOP Radio. Got a lot of great ones also. www.lopforums.com. Do type that www because uh, it doesn't always work, apparently. Uh, or you can just navigate there, WrestlingHeadlines.com our main page Uh, a lot of good conversation so hope you will join in with that and uh, if you do ever want to shout me out about all this crazy religious pervert crazy talk that we are going on and on about uh, please do i'm on twitter i'm at spectral gent and i will bring your comments to the show if they're good comments so that is all i've got i have no idea what we're doing next time probably some saturday night's main event or something I haven't had time to prepare any of it, so we're just going to go boldly into this Randy Savage era without knowing what we're going to find, and uh, it's going to be very fun. I'm excited about it.
0: Absolutely. Sometimes the best way to turn the corner is to bump into whatever's coming next.
1: (laughs) All right, that's all I got, so uh, take us home, Mystic.
0: Yes, sir. Until next time, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite.
3: Stripes and salted tears. I knew that these were just its cautionary features. Keep telling myself nothing to fear. It's just an undiscovered creature coming up to meet ya. He's the one that's scared. It's just an undiscovered creature coming up to meet ya. He's the one that's scared. The Undiscovered Creature The Undiscovered Creature I never saw this one in books or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is, an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared, it's just an undiscovered creature. Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared, the undiscovered creature. Stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just It's cautionary features Keep telling myself Nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared Undiscovered.